Welcome back to Who the Fuck Are These Guys? How are you, Mako Shark? Matthew, I'm very good, thank you, mate. Very well. How's the? I say this most weeks, actually, at the moment, but how's the fucking weather? You talk about springtime. You talk about a bloody pep in the step. The weather is fantastic post-apocalyptic floods down here in Melbourne. It's actually mm. just sun shining like an absolute delight out there today. I'm feeling quite nice. How are you? It's a Pep Guardiola out there, Mako Shark, and it's, uh, it is searing. And my brain was a little bit seared. I actually had 42 seconds of mental blankness. I didn't even know how I intro this episode, Mako. That's how, that's how well I'm going this week. But I tell you what, I'm excited because we've done the 50th. We've done the little half, roll it down to third man and raise the bat. But we are now officially a year in the business. We're a year in the game. It's taken us less than a year to take over this entire industry, Mako Shark, and I am very excited about that. Uh, Mate. And so what we've achieved. What? How good is this lit. episode? Yeah, as you said, we had 50 the other week. That's great. Raise the bat. Half a ton. Stuart Law on debut. But, mate, 52 weeks. That is one full calendar year of the greatest podcast in Australian podcasting history. We are Australia's hottest pod, and we are only getting hotter, mate. It's, it's molten lava out there at the moment. It's molten lava on the airwaves. Who the fuck? 52 weeks. Can you believe it? Um, I almost can't, but at the same time, I really can. Because mm. we are no, the same. No, yeah, that's exactly right. You say, oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I don't know how we, how we do it. i tell you how I can believe it because we are the two men. And and, and I really just think we're the, the first two blokes that have really shown any form of uh, anything about it in this scene. So, of course, we're here a year later, Mako. And we're going to be going even more. We're going to go even more jugular. We're really going to just take take names going forward, I think, including guests and uh, other other shows really is going to roll over them. It's a steamrolling, I would have thought, Mako Shark, much like your beloved football club, just steamrolling and sustained success is what we're about here. Sustaining it all through the, uh, the the weeks as they just keep rolling on. It's bull by the horn sort of stuff here at the podcast, but uh, we'll get into some due diligence. We'll thank our, our great sponsors, Palmerbet, as always, mate. They uh, yes. Yes. bring this pod to you week after week. Thank you, Palmerbet, Australia's greatest punting agency, gamble responsibly, Maddie. But uh, look, it's at 52, as we've just explained. We've got another ripper on this week, don't we? Mm. Well, we had uh, – we, 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 we do make our shark. And we had a little uh, – just a little tease during the week with this fella and uh, our our real staunch listeners and followers that would have jumped on that uh, that little collab there with the coconut tip. Shout out to him. Uh, we had this fella on, Mako Shark, and leading up to him, we've had a lot, a lot – well, I know I have, and I know you run the Insta, so I'm sure you have, but there's been a lot of love for this man, a lot of – Please get him on when you're getting him on. And I'm just like, just call your Jets. It's not as easy as, you know, as you think. It's pretty still pretty hard. Australia's top podcast, but still, you know, hottest pod. Still got to go out there and grind and get him. But he's on this week, Mako Shark. He was on during the week, but now we've got the full version of it. And I reckon uh, it'll be it'll stack up there with, uh, with the previous 52. What, what were your thoughts? Mate, you're absolutely right. This was a ripper. I was excited. Fire Jack. Jack Jenkins, we got him on, Australia's newest UFC star. Always exciting to get a, a UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship bloke on the pod. I mm. love him. They're just a different breed, these blokes. It's just very exciting to have him on the pod. As you said a minute ago, we went live on the Instagram. I'm sure listeners out there, if you're, if you're a big listener, I'm sure you're on the Instagram. You would have seen the live we did last week. We were bringing it to you on a Thursday night, live with our man, Coconut Tips, based out of Queensland. He's an absolute... Just throw some ripper. names at the listeners of who we put together with... Wow, with we just... Well, we just lazy. Was it a Thursday night? Was it just a lazy was Thursday? It's a lazy Thursday night. We hit the, uh, the, the the internet airwaves, live with our man in Queensland, and just, just, just for no reason, just because we love everyone, we love the sport, we just love going live. We, we, we went live with... 
Andrew Maloney, Jason Maloney, Jeff Fennick, Jackson Murray, who we'll get to in a minute. Fucking rest in peace, Jackson Murray's career. What's going on? We'll talk about it. Not only that, we get this man on, Jack Jenkins, Australia's UFC superstar in the featherweight division, just jumping on live on a Thursday night with the lads free of charge. Like, it's just incredible stuff, mate, what we're doing here. But it's even more exciting to get him on this week, as you said. That's right. Full-blown. Full-blown, warts and all, sit-down, expose for a solid half hour. And he's given us the uh, – he'll be on the UFC Perth fight card. So that's one Oof. friend of the pod. We've got a, a guarantee that we Oof. can get behind. Yep. Reckons he's going to – an A380 wouldn't even be able to fill up the people from the marsh going up there. Oof. So I'm, as I said to you, Mako Shark, I don't want to keep ramming the listeners and your – uh, your sort of uh, presence with this, but I was at the initial first ever inaugural UFC New York, and that was a, insanely hard to get a ticket. The most expensive experience of my life for the back, the bleachers, the nosebleeds. But I have a feeling, Mako Shark, we've got a con booked, we've got flights booked, crew is booked, pot is booked. We're bringing it to you, but I don't know if we'll get seats. I tell you, he's going yeah, to bring, he's gonna bring 500, right? Just him. Just, just our mate, and then you think about the other, all the other boys, all the other fighters are on the card, all the other people, all the other teams, all the other gyms, all the other organisations. I tell you what, this could be the hardest ticket to any show in the history of anything that's entertainment or sports orientated. Is my early take. I'm getting a bit nervous. I'm starting to sweat up a bit here at the thought of trying to uh, obtain a ticket. I tell you what. Looks like Backers Marsh alone could fill this stadium the way Jenkins is talking about. Everyone's they're fizzing down there in the marsh. They're going to be over in Perth by the truckload, by the A380 oh. load, he's saying. So it's going to be tough. I reckon Perth alone would sell this thing out in seconds, let alone all the fuckwits like us going to be flying in from all different states, all different countries. Uh, you mentioned you. You saw Connor versus uh, Eddie Alvarez, champ champ status in New York City, hard ticket to obtain. There's a potential opportunity that we'll be seeing another champ champ, Alex Volkanovsky, doing his thing in Perth. So talk about tickets. Talk about hot ticket. It's going to be hard. We're going to have to be uh, ear to the ground Look, and really... You want to bore the listeners with our sort of you know daily regimen, but we're, we're, we're often thinking about this show. We're thinking about listeners, but we also we think about ourselves. We want to be there. So we even thought, you know what? We'll treat ourselves. We haven't really done a big thing. Because I mean, the grand final, but yeah, whatever. We haven't really done a big thing since COVID. So maybe we'll look at, you know, we'll look into the VIP packages, Mako Shark. Mm. Boy, oh boy, were we flawed with some of the pricing and just the looseness around the structure of the UFC VIP packages starting, right, where it says premium top level seat. So there's no premium in the top level. Like, you just sort of just say, basic as shit, top level, we're going to rip you. No package, no alcohol, 1600 right? You know where it, yeah, front row, Mako Shark, they're, they're asking for a cool 25K. So we are Australia's hottest pod, but we are not flushed or dripping with that sort of cashola at this point, Mako Shark. So we'll be like everyone else. We'll be on there with our computers, praying for no technical difficulties, no delays, no weird logouts, no weird, because uh, you've tanked this before. You've put this in the tank, mm-hmm. so yep. let's just hope for a smooth process so we can get over there and give you the best content that we can give you. I would have thought. Well, we're not fucking Mark Burris, are we? We're not. We're not Mark Burris. <laughs> Burris. Burris. We're not fucking. We're not flush with that much cash. We're going to need a few more sponsors if we want to start running that type of uh, extravagance. But uh, look, we'll get tickets, mate. Don't you worry about that. There's no chance they let this event go without us. See, Bam Bam was on Burris, the Bam Bam yes. Burris pod. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Burris is trying to uh, jack our fucking. 
Jack our stees here on the uh, fighting shtick. Well, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, Burris. I was going to say, doesn't matter all the money in the world, Burris, and a nice head of hair, but tell you what you haven't got. You haven't got the two men, and we're open for, if you want to offer us to come across to the Burris pod, we'll... Oh, yeah, we can can work together, (laughs) Burris. But step off, Burris. This is our space. It's our time. Get the fuck out. I'd agree with that, and I tell you what, we've gone a bit long here on time. This is the intro. We've got Jack Jenkins coming up, USC, newest man. Get around him. You're excited. I'm excited. Everyone's excited. Here he is. Who the fuckers? We are back again this week with another very special guest. He is Australia's newest UFC star. It is Jack Jenkins, and we're excited to have you, mate. How are you going? Very, very well. Thank you for having me. We've just had a few technical difficulties. <laughs> we haven't had them. We used to always have them, but I reckon we've gone about the last three months without one. So it's good to have it's brought back memories, mate, this shit. Yeah, it's good. It's good. You've got to keep on your toes and stay adaptable. <laughs> We've sort of got a bit ahead of ourselves, so it's good you've put it back back to our roots, mate, when we were using sort of lesser programs and having a lot of trouble in trying to keep blokes uh, engaged with us while there was fucking technical difficulties. So I'm glad it was an air fryer and not us this time anyway. Yeah, no, it's good, it's good. I like the stream yard, works well. It does, doesn't it? We found that it's a little bit more consistent than some of these other fucking high-tech ones that try and promise the world but give you nothing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Mate, uh, before we get into it, because we're super excited and our listeners are super excited. We've had a lot of uh, inboxes from the little live we did the other night um, asking and we sort of said, just wait, he's coming, be patient. But before we get into it, now I uh, I took your tips literally in our live the other night because I'm in a punk, <laughs> I'm in a punk club and my nickname is Dr. Turf because all I ever really punt on is horses because I get tips off other blokes. I just normally get right. – and they normally, they normally come up. So the boys were excited when I hit them with a couple straight off a live stream. I said, just – don't worry about this. This bike sounded like he knew exactly what he was talking about. Did they, they, and the boys have come back to you and said, do not trust that bloke ever again. <laughs> They're fucking seething. Fuck. I tell you what, though. I had a fucking strip out on Saturday. I've had a, I've had a pretty good spring up until this weekend. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just fucking couldn't back a winner this weekend, unfortunately. <laughs> but that's that's the punt. you got to roll with it. You do, and talking about keeping you on your toes, I mean that's that's nothing like keeping you on your toes, like punting on horses. <laughs> it's so hard and stressful. Fucking rough work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but oh fuck, nature strip getting rolled at a dollar dollar sixty by fucking giga kick. Fuck, what do you do with that? We're at the like- pub in uh, North, uh, sorry Northgate, because we had our it's a bit of a delayed break up from footy, so me and an older bloke went there first. Um, and there's a table of guys next to us that got on that Giga Kick, and we're just like, who the fuck, who the fuck gets on Giga Kick? Like you, boys, yeah, I don't know. Like they'd won the lottery, and I'm like, well, you fucking have, because how have you just plucked that horse out of nowhere? Yeah, well, I was actually fucking talking to um, um, there's a bloke, you know, the company Train Aid, they sponsor a lot of fighters and stuff like that. You would have seen some of their stuff. Yeah, talking to one of the guys involved in Train Aid, Dean, and we we every Saturday morning we have a chat about the horses. And I sent this one message to him and I said, oh, I hate it. I hate not backing three-year-olds with good form in weight for age races 
but I, I just can't find any today. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then fucking giga kick an unbeaten three-year-old in a wait for eighth <laughs> race comes in and fucking smokes in. Staring uh, you in one. the face. What do you ah. do? What do you do? You not much on. you can do, mate. Not much you can do. Look, we'll probably sit here all night and talk horse racing, but that's not what we're here for, <laughs> is it? The listeners are probably scratching their heads. So, mate, let's yep. get into it. <laughs> Australia's freshest UFC star, mate. We're talking, what, about two weeks ago, the Dana White Contender Series. You were the lucky yeah. recipient of a contract, mate. How good was that? Talk us through that. How'd you, uh, yeah. How you found the fight? It was a good performance. I liked it. Tell us what you thought. Thank you. Yeah, um, I, was, I was a bit unhappy immediately after the fight. Um, just felt like I um, couldn't get anything sort of rolling in there in terms of my usual stuff, but um, kind of ground out a win, which was good. Um, but then upon reflection and watching it back, it was actually really good performance. Uh, I thought I got a heap of damage done, um, you know, and that was evident when I saw Freddie back at the hotel afterwards, he was in a pretty rough shape. Um, and, you know, I got the finish done. It was a bit grindy. There was a lot of things that didn't go my way in the lead up. So I was really happy that I sort of um, kept the head down and, and, and the eyes focused and, and just got, got done what I needed to get done. That was the goal all along just to get a contract. So got that now. And now I've got, I've got uh, four fights, four chances to, to really show what I got. And I really think within those four, within those four, four fights of that first contract, I'm going to be getting my way to the top 15. That was going to be my next question around the contract length. So four, four guaranteed fights when you, uh, when you win that, that contract site, so I think that's a good thing too, because it, it allows you to sort of put a plan together for the four and not feel too much pressure on every fight that if, you know, cause everyone, you don't want to plan for it, but sometimes you have an off day, you don't want to have an off day and then just be turf. So getting, Four fights, a plan for four fights. That must be sort of reassuring for you and your team as well. You know, you've, you could, you've got a good good amount of time to get in there and show the world what you can do. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, unfortunately for me, my off day was on Contender Series and you, you can't afford <laughs> to have your off day there. Um, but, fuck, that's why. Luckily, my autopilot was enough to get me through. So, yeah, that's... that's... You call it a, an off note, but as you said, on reflection, probably looking back on it, you did control it pretty good. It was a pretty convincing victory in the end. You got the stoppage in the third round. Mate, like, as you said, uh, it might have been an off night, and you sort of... Obviously, it wasn't your game plan to do what you did, I guess, like with the takedowns and controlling on the ground and stuff like that. That wasn't a, uh, a focus heading in, or...? No, the takedowns definitely were, but what, what we had expected was that when we got to the ground um, and he felt the pressure that he would, you know, he came from a bit of a wrestling background and watching his fights, when he'd gone to the ground in the past, he would always turn to his base and expose his back and back himself to get back to his feet. And I'm really quite good at when people do turn, grab in the back and um, stick in there. But he just didn't want to do that. He just wanted to play very safe, which is such, it was so opposite to what we had predicted because when anyone's in contender, if you sit on the bottom and do nothing, you're absolutely no chance. No um, and, and, and a big fight like that, it's like, well, you've got to make something happen. Um, and then for me, like I was, as he was, you know, there was a couple of positions we got caught in where I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made the mistakes that I made as a white belt fucking 10 years ago that I was making mistakes in there that night. Um, mm. So look, my autopilot and my baseline was enough to get through, but, that was a, a long way from what, what my ability and the amount of work I've put in can show. And, uh, yeah, but now it's just a good chance that, that that sort of – I can sort of under-promise now and over-deliver when it comes to Perth and uh, it'll be it'll be a nice little little ride to go through on that. 
Absolutely. Digits. I was just going to say, it must be a really good thing for you, though, knowing that if you've, you've studied and watched tape and had a camp and thought a guy was going to do something, he's done the opposite, but then you've still been, and like you, you sort of weren't happy with your performance, but on Twitter and all the, you know, the, the nuffies that sort of don't fight but talk about it like us do, they were all popping for your performance live and afterwards you, you wouldn't have seen until you got your contract. But I guess you've then shown yourself and internally that you can think on the spot and actually adapt to something that's happening in the moment and not be always based off what you see and what you, you learn from tape and your camp. So that must be promising for you as well that you can go forward and doing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, it's good. You have to be adaptable and be able to adjust to the situation. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking back, like I said, overall, I'm happy with it because I got a contract. Like, I was in, I, I was at the PS, their mm. Performance Institute um, in there a couple of days afterwards, and I was in the um, change rooms with Sean Strickland, and he was kind of asking me about it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was a bit disappointed. And he was like, did you win? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, did you get a contract? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, who the fuck cares? And I was like, oh, well, fair enough. It's probably the smartest thing he's ever said, I reckon. Yeah. No, he's actually a bloke, I reckon. Yeah, he's pretty funny. He's pretty funny. Mate, Like, let's talk about it. He's obviously your new boss, and we covered this last week on the live a little bit. Obviously, you are, we love Dana. We love him on this pod, and he's the man that controls the bills but his his comments after the fight i i actually said i was at work watching it and i actually said out loud shut the fuck up mate like what are you talking about that was a terrific <laughs> performance he's got the stoppage he's a one trick pony you've said that night but if you wanted to see these kickboxing skills that you know you're infamous for and the leg kicks and all this stuff that's one thing but to see you come out and do what you did almost like a completely different fighter than what he was expecting to me that shows you've got multifaceted sort of approach to fighting and the opposite of a one trick so I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm sure you're going to, obviously, yeah, I don't want you to say nothing bad, but, like, for me, it was an interesting comment, I thought. Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck, like, I don't know. I've just, you check my Instagram bio, I'm running with it. I'm the one-trick pony now, so, yeah. fuck. I'm fucking, i got no issue. Like, I'll, I'll take it and run with it. Um, yeah, obviously, anyone, and like you said, anyone who's any, ever watched any of my fights, it's like I showed a completely different skill set than the one people were expecting. So that's... uh. That takes me away from being a one-trick pony. But it's really good because coming out in Perth now, Dana will be over here. It's a numbered event. So Dana will be here and, you know, when I, when I come out and show what I can do and, uh, you know, show a, a well-rounded skill set, it's going to be, you know, it's going to do nothing but put me on the map in a better way. Everyone's going to be like, ah, see, he told you so. He's not uh, a one-trick And, you know, he's going to have to address that too in the, in the, in the aftermath of – you know, what I know I'm going to be able to come out and do and what me and my coaches know I'm going to be able to do, you know that the reporters in there are going to ask the question. It's going to be asked, you know, you know, coming through contender, you said Jack was a one-trick pony. What's your reflection on that now? Mm-hmm. And that's only going to bode well for me going forward. Might end up being a blessing in disguise, these comments. I like it. I like the, uh, the way you're thinking here. It'll yeah. be us asking them. Yeah, <laughs> fucking no. Have you got the we'll media passes in there? Well, no, we yeah, haven't we're, we're yet, pushing but we're working. That. We're working our way towards it. If you know anyone to help us out, mate, let's do it. But no, we'll yeah, be there. I got, so. a, I got a few. I got a few contacts. I'll, I'll, I can definitely put in the right Book direction. The I think we'd be asking some interesting questions. That, that you know, when you tune into those things, they always sort of ask us straight up and down. I, I reckon we'd catch him off guard, old mate, because he's normally um, he's in autopilot with his question answering. I reckon we could uh, we could sort of ruffle his feathers a little bit, or lack thereof feathers, but ruffle him. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just don't ruffle them too much because you know he'll show you, the, he'll show you the door. We'll end up Ariel Helwani to never get back this in. Is, this is your first and last event, boys. Yeah. Who the fuck yeah. let those guys in here? Yeah. Yeah. We don't want that, mate. We don't want no, that. No, no. We're we company men. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Absolutely, mate. We fucking praise them. Mate, we're going to get into it a bit later, but we might as well go into it now because you mentioned it. Perth in February. How exciting is this? Not only have you now got your contract, but potentially your first fight with the company will be here on home soil. How exciting is that? Mate, I'm wrapped. So excited. Like, looking looking forward to it. And, um, you know, with COVID and all this bullshit, there was just so much waiting and wondering. And, like, like now that it's locked in, it, it almost... It almost doesn't feel real. It's like I'm just so excited to get over there. And, you know, timing-wise for me, it works really well. It allows me to enjoy a couple of weeks here in the spring. And, you know, it's my birthday coming up in a week or two. So that'll be good. And then really knuckle down over a sort of three-month-long camp over the summer too. So you're enjoying the nice weather. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, get over to Perth. And, you know, Perth flight fans have been starving for another event since the last one they had, which was an absolute ripper card. So, massive, mate, you know. Yeah. You look at the prelims on that one. Got... It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Adesanya and Volkanovski, both in the prelims, just absurd stuff. So we'll probably look yeah. back on this one in five years' time and go, "Can you fucking believe Jack Jenkins was on the bloody early prelims? What's going on?" 100%. Yeah, I reckon you're going to hear something similar in terms, like me and Jack Daller. It's going to be like, "Fuck, you believe Jack Daller and all the boys. Jack Jenkins both came, both came through Eternal, um, both showed up at that Perth card, and then now they're where they are." You know, Jack's obviously a little further along than me, haven't gotten in a little bit earlier. Um, but, yeah, that's going to be good. And he's the, ex- he's the king of Perth, so I'll let him have his thunder. And then when it comes back to Melbourne, I'll be uh, I'll be sure I'll be front and centre for all the media. I'll be on. I'll be emailing Arabella from the UFC saying, <laughs> hey, get me in this, get me on that. No <laughs> yeah. doubt. Are you expecting a, a bit of a, um, a convoy of uh, friends and family to go over to that, mate? Or are you trying to mate, say, I boys, genuinely- stay here and let me just do my thing? Mate, I genuinely think I could rent an A three eighty, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to. Uh, I'd have to knock people back. Like, there's going to be that many people going yeah. over from the marsh. It's outrageous. Fucking yeah. up. that's good. We've got people or like, there's so many people who have already booked accommodation and flights and shit. So it's going to be wild. Yeah, well, we've done that. We got a little whisper a few weeks back ago, actually, and we just thought on a whim. We hadn't got the full confirmation. We thought, fuck it, let's just book flights in the com now and we'll just roll the dice and it all worked out yeah. well for us. Perfect. But, mate, um, talk us through it because obviously uh, on the on the night of your contract, you spoke about it a little bit after the fight. A good mate of yours, Jimmy Crute, huge friend of the pod as well. Take yep. us through your relationship with him, mate, because I know there was a big uh, a promise you guys made to each other many, many years ago that you were going to make the UFC together. And for that to finally come to fruition, Take us through exactly what that meant to both of you. Yeah, it was unreal. So um, Jimmy and I started training together, fuck, must have been in 2015. Um, we sort of ran into each other. What happened was there was a group of pros getting together down in Melbourne, you know, and it consisted of Daniel Kelly, Jake Matthews, Callum Potter, Rodolfo Marquez. Um, did I say Jimmy already? Um, no. Nah. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy. There, there was a few others in there that I could name now, um, and we were—they were all getting together um, on a Monday and Wednesday morning to to train. And it was Monday morning was sparring, and Wednesday morning was grappling. And I ended up getting Callum Potter told me that I could come down to it, 
And when I got there, it was kind of my first taste of those high-level guys. Jake and Dan already been in the UFC. Cal making his way there. Jimmy already being such a formidable, you know, force. And Rodolfo Marquez, you know, Rodolfo's career, you know, can go under the radar. But there was a time when he was 23-1. and one. Like, he was, a, he was a superstar. And that was having big fights in Brazil and Japan. Um, yeah, so I started training down here and Jimmy and I got on the same hex card together. That was the one where somebody shared the the booklet the other day where it was me, Jimmy, Coolabao, Kai Car France. We're all on the same card. Crazy, wasn't it? Yeah, wild. Again, that's another one where you sit there and you go, fuck, if we had to sat out the back and all, you know, all said we were going to be here, then, you know, people wouldn't believe you. Share that. That's uh, yeah. Matt Davies, photographer, actually. We, we follow him. I chat to him a bit. He's a good fella. He's based out of New York at the moment, but yeah, he's a Melbourne dude, I think. That was, yeah, he shared that. It was unreal. Yeah, real good. And uh, yeah, and at, and at one point, I just, um, you know, it was pretty clear that Jimmy was going to get there a little bit before me just with the, the trend of his career. And I said, hey, one, one day we're sitting out the back at a Hex event. And I said, hey, one day we're going to be doing this and warming up together, but it's going to be at the UFC. And then we sort of promised each other that we were going to do that there. And then we just kept, kept pushing at that the you know for the rest of our careers and you know I, I took two losses in a row at one point while Jimmy was mm. off to the races and it's like it's easy to lose sight of it from there and that that's why you know that's why I'm pretty proud of it being here in this point and getting it to here where now it it looks like and it, it's really likely that we're going to be out the back in the same change room getting it done that's that's huge mate not only both in the UFC but yeah you'll be debuting on the same card as Jim as well that's just that's fucking pinch yourself sort of stuff yeah, literally. Crazy. How hard was it for you having the two losses and um, obviously seeing Jimmy win? Obviously, you're happy for him, but dealing with you having the losses and trying to get up there, how hard was that mentally to just to get back in and try, knowing you've got the ability um, and the skills to get it done, but obviously just a, you know, a couple of losses, which happens in the fight game, but just wondering how hard it is mentally at a younger age with big high hopes to come back from that sort of uh, adversity. Yeah, it was it was really hard. Um, for me, one of the things that made it really hard, more so than anything else, was that I knew it wasn't a skill deficit. Um, like I knew in the training room against guys who were already in the UFC or very near to the UFC and that sort of thing, how well I did. And then watching how I went in training versus how I fought, there was just such a big gap. So the worry for me was... You hear about those guys all the time who are the training room warriors who can always get yeah. it done, but come fight night, they can't do it. So the challenge for me was, am I always going to be that guy? Am I going to be the guy who shows up in the cha- in the training room and then just can't convert it to in the cage? So, you know, I did a couple of things. After that second loss, I said, right, no fights for 12 months in the cage. And I went and did kickboxing fights. I did jujitsu comps. I just stayed fit and sort of trained my ass off for that year to try and get to a point where I could, you know, individually transition those skill sets. So in a jiu-jitsu comp, can I, can I make my jiu-jitsu show? In a kickboxing fight, can I follow a game plan and that sort of thing? And then once I did all that, I came back and uh, since then it's seven in a row with the UFC contract. So I obviously uh, did something to figure that out and, you know, that's what I'm probably most proud of, coming back from those losses when, when people do doubt you and... and a lot of people would have given up. That is massive, reeling off seven in a row. We saw that Madalena, you talked about him before. I think he lost his first two or something like that, and then he said, nah, fuck this. I'm going to win 10 in a row. I'm going to make the UFC. People would have probably laughed at him, but look exactly what he did. His 10th win in a row was in the UFC, so pretty fucking crazy. 
do you feel like whatever you did there, you can just feel a difference now in the ring, like in the in the cage? You can just tell like those, you know, those uh, things that you did to try and help obviously worked? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, um, you know, I just, if, especially if you watch like the, my last five fights in a row, like five, my last five fights, you know, even my last seven, I haven't dropped a round in my last seven fights. So like, that's that's pretty soft. impressive, and they've been of those. I've I've fought the best guys. Like it's been eternal title fight, eternal title, title fight, eternal yeah. title fight, contender fight. So it's like it's I, I haven't dropped a round, and now even Eternal's going back, and their, their featherweight belt is now against the guy who I won the title against, and and that sort of thing. So it's um yeah, you definitely I'm I'm happy with the how I've gone, but again, I think you you boys would have heard me in the thing. It's now it's murderers role. It's not guys who are fitting this into their coaching jobs and fitting this mm-hmm. in while they're, uh, mm. you know, doing other shit now. This is like everyone here is full-time. They're all flat out mm. at it. And it's like, how are you going to go in murderers row? And I like how yeah. I stack up there. Well, it's like everything you've done until this point is just literally to get to the starting line now, isn't it? Now it all just starts fresh. This is the beginning. 100%. How hard is it, mate, doing this, you know, when you say you're going and doing different comps like judo comps, kickboxing, and then you've obviously got to put food on the table or earn some money to live. How hard is it? Because all those sort of arts and martial arts are some of the hardest things on the body, mind, training. How hard is it to have a normal job and try and get to the elite level in a sport like this? It must just must be just excruciating sometimes on the body and the mind. Yeah. Well, I think there's a, uh, you know, there's a pretty like well well found out path to the UFC that a lot of people have taken and it's similar. It's like you start as the shit kicker and you do whatever work you can around your training, whether that's, mm-hmm. you know, you're a tradie and you train at night or if you want to train more, maybe you work at a pub like I did and get work on the side. And then once you've fought for a little while, people will respect your skill set enough that you can probably start coaching at a gym, you know, and then... Once you start coaching the gym, you can make, you can maybe back off and then that gives you more time for training. And then, you know, if you're good enough at coaching, you can get paid a good enough wage that you can probably only work three or four nights a week, maybe get some privates around here and there and then really focus on the training. And then once you've got to the, that real pinnacle is you can start to push Mm -hmm. to get some sponsors that will help you out during camp and that sort of thing. Um, That's, but like for me, like it, when he's when he's laid out like that, it sounds pretty easy. But for me, my first four years, I was working at a pub every night, pretty much every night of the week after training. And then the nights that I wouldn't work at the pub, um, you know, I'd be at training doing something else. Then I would come down to the gym on the train, and if I couldn't get home, I would sleep at the gym so I could train the next day and then get home after that. So it's like it's 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 hard yakka, but I always whenever anyone everyone would say fuck, geez, that's that's fucking committed or whatever, I I just say something offhand like yeah, but it's character building, mate. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. and it it really yeah. is. And it I, is, yeah. Is, it can make it, it, you know. I don't want to romanticize it or anything like that, but if you enjoy doing it, like fuck, sleeping on the floor at a gym in Melbourne isn't the worst thing in the world. You got a fucking mattress, you got a doona, you got fucking Uber Eats if you need to. And there's mm-hmm. a Seven Eleven down the road. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not as rough as a lot of people have it. Um, but if you love doing it, yeah. it's easy to do. Like, and yeah. I genuinely love doing it. Waking up at the gym in the morning, going and getting coffee, come back to training as everyone rocked in. I loved it. So, 
Yeah. If you, yeah. if you go in and you're struggling and you're not good at having no money, you're going to struggle. But I've been real good at having no money. Like having, having a hundred bucks to last you the next seven days, I'm real good at it. So <laughs> it doesn't really bother me. We won't let Dana know that, mate. We won't let Dana know that at all. But, uh, Look, nah, as you see, said, I'm, I'm I'm prepared to make a lot of money on the yeah. on the other end of that stick. But. <laughs> Take us through your upbringing, mate. Back as Marsh boy, sort of country Victoria. Yep. You played a lot of rugby when you were younger, which is quite rare for a Victorian. Take us through that, and like, yeah, what was it like growing up in the in the, in the marsh? Yeah, I'd love to give uh, I'd love to give some background or you know incentive for why I started rugby, but I was just fucking dog shit at footy. Like I was just no good at <laughs> AFL. Um. So, Before we get onto that, mate, I did see uh, on your Instagram. I won't rub this in too much, but it looks like you're a passionate Sydney supporter, are you? Love South Melbourne. Love the Swans. Love the Swans. Well, I won't talk about being a Geelong supporter on this podcast. At all, <laughs> I'm sure you're. Hey, he's talked about, about it. He's talked about it enough, mate. The, the show's almost become a Geelong podcast. <laughs> no, nah, I won't go into it, mate. I was sitting in my hotel room in Vegas, cutting weight while that grand oh, final. Fuck. It was just two days oh. before the weigh-ins, and I'm sitting in my oh. hotel room. And you might have vomited, uh, though. It would have helped the weight cut if you vomited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, at half time, I just shut the laptop. That was it. You're done. Yeah. Yeah, fair, fair call, mate. Dude. Fair call. Well, yeah, take yeah. us into the rugby, mate, just because you were shit at footy. Yeah, just shit at footy. And, my, like, I was just I just liked the physicality of it. Like, I loved that you could just hold onto the ball and go as hard as you wanted and you wouldn't get penalised for that. And I love the fact that you could, you know, there'd be big 120-kilo blokes running at you in under-16s and you can just – wrap around the legs. You don't have to worry about trying to grab them up high. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I got into rugby and uh, loved it. That's why, uh, yeah, grew up um, grew up playing, made a few Victorian teams, went over to Europe to play a little bit, then ended up finding myself in Canada playing rugby and that, you know, really enjoyed that over there. That I've got a lot of friends still from that my time in Canada that I was playing rugby there. And, um, yeah, loved it. But what the Legal union. Was, union. Union. Union, yeah, yeah. And they play in Evan. <laughs> <laughs> How was it going yes. over Europe, mate? Because I, uh, I worked with a couple of uh, blokes that were sort of private school dudes from Sydney. This was back like 15 years ago. And they said when they went to Europe, they thought they were tough and they played like blokes from like the, Fran- the French team and they would like find cuts and like try and put their stops in them and just like real filthy bastards. So I just wonder how you found it when you went over there and did that. Yeah, oh, not so much. I actually went with um when I went to Europe. I went with Josh Dallamadalina, Jack's brother. Uh-huh. And, yep. Uh huh. Jack was tagging along with his parents right. at the back of the bus, and um and uh yeah, it was really good. I didn't find it exceptionally tough. That we played against some good teams, but didn't find it exceptionally tough over there compared to here. It's fucking pretty tough here. When I'm like, I was the only playing in like Wyndham City, like juniors and stuff i was like the only white kid on the team they're all fucking 120 kilo yeah and tongans and stuff massive massive units yeah yeah we've got a club in eltham and when my dad and i when i was living at home again a fair while ago we would walk past with the dog going for a walk or to have a kick of the footy out at the afl oval and we'd often see little fat sort of Aussie kids that hadn't gone through puberty yet playing against 120 kilo Islander blokes that were just dragging them the whole length of the field. It was like those funny viral videos. It was so unfair. just made no sense. It was like, what, yeah. what, what are we doing here? These kids are getting drilled. Yeah, it was fucking nuts. And I was, I, was, I was a late bloomer and I was fucking tiny for under 16s. Like at under 16s, I was probably 58 kilos. 
and there oh. were boys that were genuine 110 kilo fridges. <laughs> yeah, it's but boys, everywhere. I had a few big boys on my team, and I got looked after. So, oh well, toughened me up. Absolutely. Well, how'd you find your way into fighting? A lot of uh, people have had on this pod always seem to be rugby players, and they find themselves in boxing training in the off season and stuff like that, just to keep fit. And then they end up just you know going full time into combat sports. Was that what happened with you? Damn. Um, so but when I was in year seven or year eight, um, my brother, my older brother started fighting up at, we had a local kickboxing gym, um, Ziggy's gym, and it's up out the back of a um, tire fitting service place. And it's like a real hard nut, like kickboxing gym. And uh, my brother started up there and he had a fight and I watched him fight and I just thought, fuck, I want to do that. So I asked him if he would take me up and he took me up and then, I just loved it, like loved it, loved picking it up. Um, even I would I would go and watch on YouTube or, you know, find on TV like some MMA stuff and then I would go back to the gym and like try and practice arm bars in the kickboxing gym and Ziggy, one of the, the coach, would like let me do some MMA stuff and, yeah, so did that. Always in the off-season for rugby. Rugby for, you know, your 10, 12 weeks of the year and then the rest of the time I just kickboxed and then um, I came back and I tried to make an NRC team. I played a year of Prem Rugby down here for Melbourne Uni and tried to make an NRC team but I was, it was, you know, even midway through the season it was probably pretty clear that I was I was, a, I was a step or two behind the couple of top guys at Scrum Half and then at the end of the season I just said nah, I'm done with this now it's uh, time to knuckle down on the fight and, and I did and I haven't looked back since then and it's just been flat knacker at it did you? Did it come naturally to you, the picking it up and like learning and getting it? Because I, I, I reckon some people w- could do it forever and never really master it, and will have the toughness and the, just the ability to be able to be taught and then go out and do it. Is is that something that you found easy from the get go? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I had a, I had a certain affinity for the sport for sure. That only mm. gets you so far, um, and you know you fo- you'll find that the um, that that levels out as you get to a certain point. But, um, yeah, I definitely had a natural ability to pick things up. And I think more than the physical ability, um, just a mental ability to, to see the way things work and understand how things work and then apply it. Um, yeah. My coach, my jiu-jitsu coach, Heath, who I was with for a long time, like he speaks very highly of my ability to, to see something and then implement it really quickly. And, I've mm-hmm. you know, I as a coach have had to, recognize that because sometimes as I'm coaching I assume people just understand how their body works in the same way I do but mm. you know it doesn't no. work like that not always from, from a mental side of things have, have, you know when you see sometimes even the, the best guys in boxing and MMA when they haven't really ever been hit properly or hard and then they realize fuck like you see it in the boxing they go, hang on what's going on here was there a moment when you were coming up where you got a good shot and you just were like that's fine or you know because you know you obviously some guys go the whole way through and then get a, get a really good shot and then go, Jesus Christ, this is fucked. Was there a time where you got that and sort of just laughed at it and just were happy with it or just wondering yeah. when you got that first big hit, how, how you reacted to it? Yeah, see, I reckon, I reckon this is probably one of the biggest things in combat sports is that I reckon about 90% of people when they get that hit, like when it comes to them, their reaction is to kind of fade away from it a little bit and either take a seat for the rest of the round maybe question what they're doing in the gym, all that sort of thing. And then there's 10%, and these are the guys who end up as the fighters, are the guys that go, 
fuck you. Like, let's Bring go. It on. And that, yeah. and that was all, and that was my reaction when I did get hit <laughs> a few times. Um, and, uh, yeah. And it's still my reaction to that to this day. Yeah. Probably the right way to do it if you want to be uh, competing in the UFC, I would have thought. Did you have yeah. a natural affinity to breaking people's legs? Because I know you've got some pretty vicious <laughs> leg kicks, mate. So did that come naturally to you or is it something you've really worked on? Um, yeah. So like I, the way I describe this is like some people walk into a gym and, you know, you would have mates like this who they clench their fists and they throw a right hand and it just it works. Their body, same with kicking a footy. There's certain people who just pick up certain things and their body just knows how to do Timing. it. For me, yeah. that was that was my leg kick. Like I, mm. as soon as I got told, put your foot here, turn your hips this way, go for it. It was like, boom, I could just generate a lot of power on my leg kicks. Um, and uh, yeah, from there, because I knew I could do that, I just tried to develop the timing to make it an efficient weapon. And over time, I've, I've got it. And it works, you know, the timing is so different in MMA than kickboxing and Muay Thai. Um, mm-hmm. I think I've developed my kick really well to be a good medium to suit the MMA game. And uh, yeah, I think that, that, you know, that's the proof's in the pudding there. I've done some damage. Very handy weapon to have because it's such a huge part of the sport now. Over the last sort of five, six years, these leg, these calf kicks in particular have just become massive and you can just stop fights. You can just wreck a dude's whole day if you land even two or three of them. Yeah, 100%. Um, and the thing that works the other way, which is why you have to be so good at it, is that you throw one the wrong way and you're fucked you're as fucked. well. Yeah. Like it only I takes know. one. I tell, I tell all my guys, if someone's leg kicking you, like work on your checks and work on your stance to be able to check because it only takes one check. And even if you don't break their leg, they won't kick again. So, you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've got good leg kicks, but I'm also pretty good when someone throws one back at me, I can turn the knee out pretty well and go, nah, don't play that game gotcha. with me. So, yeah. yeah so. All right. Well, we might as well wrap it up here, mate, because we've uh, had you here all night. It's getting a bit late. We want to get back to the, uh, the air fry. I might be calling your name, I reckon, but yeah, yeah. Listen, Digging out there. <laughs> well, mate, you're in the UFC now. I just wanted to ask one final question, mate. It's murderers row in the featherweight division, as you've said there. Have you got any names in mind that maybe not in your next couple of fights, but is there any kind of like dream opponents or dudes down the line that you just would love to fight? Yeah, um, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to get my two or three wins impressively, get my way into the top 15 and face off against, the, you know, a Josh Emmett. Um mm. You know, I think, like, I love his style. He's tough, comes from a good gym. I think he's pretty yeah. big for featherweight. Um, throws that looping left hook. And, uh, yeah, I think I think just stylistically, that's a fight I'd really like to get to. Um, so, yeah, I think Josh Emmett's the one. Hopefully, he would still be at the top of the division because, you know, if you if you play your hands right, you can really work your way up quickly. And if, you, mm-hmm. if you're impressive in the way you do it, there's no, there's no limit to how, how quickly you can progress and how quickly you can make a name for yourself. So hopefully I can get up there and actually, you know, have a look in at that fight relatively quickly. Well, Dana cops a lot of flack off, you know, ex-fighters or people that aren't in the sport and know. But I, I will say that you cannot say anything other than positive things about him, the way he gets behind a fighter. If they put on a good show, make the business money, but make people want to watch. It doesn't matter how like new you are to the UFC. He'll take you on a ride pretty quickly, as you've said. So I guess yeah, you have 100%. two or three really good results. Dana will get behind you, I reckon. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I like, yeah, people pot off at Dana and stuff like that. But I've got friends in other big organisations 
And I'm telling you, like our pay is pretty good, and you mm-hmm. your ceiling. There's no glass ceiling above you in the UFC. So, yeah, yeah they, I'm happy. Really, I'm very happy. I'm very happy they, with where I am, and uh, happy with the opportunities that are in front of me. And we've mentioned him already a couple of times, but as you said, Jack Della, he's had two fights in the UFC, and he's won both of them in bloody impressive fashion. And now I would imagine his third fight, mate, he's not going to be fighting some scrubber. He'll be Oregon pushing straight up into the top fifteen, easy and by the time his next fight comes along. So. Mate, he, I think he either, he either fights a guy 10 to 15 in this fight yeah. or if he wins, he's ranked. Like I, Exactly. I, honestly. Yep. Yeah. So I reckon the other goal you should have, mate, too, you have a good performance in Perth on a big you know, pay-per-view card. You won't, you won't find yourself that far off a Joe Rogan podcast. If you do something sort of a little bit crazy and get a big win, you tend to get the hot hand on the show. And then, because like we saw it with Cambosis, right, half this country in boxing Knew about him, but a lot of people didn't. And then he has that win against Tiafimo. Joe Rogan, bang, straight on his podcast, takes him to the moon, gets the two big title fights out here. So there's there's fun, there's little ways, little uh, sort of uh, you do well in the sport, do good performances. You've got a couple of people that can get behind you and really sort of fast track your your sort of popularity, can't you? Yeah, 100%. I've always, I've always had a bit of a knack for weaseling my way into good positions at the right time. So I'm going <laughs> well, uh... to keep, keep that moving. You've found your way onto Australia's hottest potty tonight, mate. So that's going to take <laughs> you to the moon, no doubt. Forget Rogan, I'll tell you that. Exactly, exactly. We've seen what it's done to Jimmy Crute's career since he's been on this pod, mate. It's been all <laughs> fucking all the way, one, straight up to the top for him. 100%. Go on, Jimmy. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, mate, we can't wait. We cannot wait. We've got our flights in that book. As I said, we're going to be in Perth, mate. We'll be there cheering you on. So, uh, yeah, we'll probably have another chat to you before then, I'd imagine, because it's still a while Unreal. away. Mate, but, I, promise uh, yeah. you, I promise you, you will just see... Roughly a thousand people from the marsh there. <laughs> Can't wait. <clears throat> no, that's mate, exciting. So, yeah. All right, mate. Let's wrap it up now. But uh, yeah, once again, thanks heaps for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right, boys. Thanks for having me. Join you, mate. Thank you. See you, boys. Have a good night. You too, mate. Well, Mako Shark, I tell you this, and I tell you this very promptly and urgently. It's not a coincidence that the greatest horse of all time is Far Lap, P-H-A-R Lap. And this man that we just had on then, despite his last week of shocking tips, is Far Jack. And I think at the end of their careers, when you put the two Fars up, the two P-H-A-Rs, Mako Shark, I hope I've got that right and I've absolutely not background checked it. So if I'm wrong, tell me now. But if I'm not, let me go, baby. And I tell you what, at the end of the day, when we line up the Fars and we look at their careers, our man Farjack, Jerker Jenkins, he will be, Mako Shark, the greatest athlete, horse, anything that we've ever put out of this country, Mako. I am on. I'm all in. I'm chips in. I'm chips in on Jerker Jenkins, Mako. What are your thoughts on him? My thoughts are Farjack. Well, Farlap, you can fuck off, mate, because Farjack's <laughs> the man. I uh, had it written down as a question, but didn't quite get around to squeezing it in. I am assuming this fucking nickname has stemmed from Farlap. I'm not 100% sure on that. We'll have to get him back on another live and we'll figure oh, that out. Yeah. But, yeah. mate, what an interview. What a what a chat. What a bloke. What a 
Episode 52, just delivering as always. He's a ripper. I cannot wait. I'm excited for Perth. It just sounds like he is absolutely on this card. The first locked in, I reckon, friend of the mm. pod, but there's going to be plenty, plenty more on this event, mate. I'm excited. But, uh, yeah, what a story. Just exciting stuff, mate. What a good bloke. You can really tell he's just a good bloke. No, you can. You can. And um, you just listen to his story. Sometimes we don't delve too deep because there's other content. We sort of get on different tangents. But, you know, you heard enough there about what he had to do. Working hospitality, mate. I've done it a little bit. It's the worst thing ever. It really is. You're on the other side of the bar. You're sober. Imagine being a sober bloke trying to train to be a professional athlete and have all these cock noses like, ah, mate, get me glass. They're dropping glass. You know, all that. He probably loves it because he's a lad and a good bloke, but just a shocking thing. And then to get up early, train, then sleep in the gym. And I know he said, you know, there's worse things, but there, there, look, there's better things you could be doing as a young man in, in a beautiful country like Australia at that point in your life. But he chose the hard path, Mako Shark, which has since seen him get to where he is now. But I tell you what, not everyone's made of that oil, the good oil, the good uh, far jack stuff. And that—that uh, that is the difference. Every time we speak to these blokes, boxers, uh, MMA guys, I always think to myself, they've done something at least once that I would never have the plums to do or even think about. Uh, Mum made me bed till I was 26. So, yeah, we're, we're on different fucking planes here, Mako Shark, you know? Well, you know, that's just how it is. These blokes are wired differently. They're hard as fuck. Uh, he's talking about checking... Uh, leg kicks, trying to uh, check the kick and also inflict damage while checking. You and I would uh, we'd have one kick and go down. So I'm just saying, like these guys, they all say, "Oh, you know, it's not that, not that hard." Or I tell you what, it is fucking hard, and that's why the very few get there. But he's made of the right stuff, Mako. And uh, that interview, if you don't know anything else about him, now you know that he's uh, he's in it for the long haul, and I reckon he's really going to launch. That's my thoughts on him. Well, I'll tell you, talk about checking leg kicks, mate. If I took one of these leg kicks, you'd be checking my underpants, I would have thought, because I'd be soiling myself. We're just not cut out for it. But on the other hand, I'm not sure any of these blokes have ever put together 52 straight episodes of Australia's well, Squad. So, like, you no. know, give and take, give and take a little bit. We're all made of something different, mate, at the end of the day. That's what makes us all individuals. We're, we're Australia's hottest pod. They're Australia's uh, hottest MMA athletes, you know, too. They can't be both. They cannot be both. And that's it, oh. mate. He's a ripper, so get around him. Follow him on the socials, no doubt. He's a good follow. He's a good lad. Perth, it's February. You've got plenty of time, but I'm excited for that. So, look, he's going to get to work, as you said, celebrate the birthday, have a bit of time, spring racing carnival. He can just yeah, just add a few more shit tips. It's just great for him. So then he can really put the nose down, knuckle down, get back into camp. Him, Jimmy Crute, all the boys. I actually know so many blokes, right? They all start mm. with Jay. You got Jack Jenkins. You got Jimmy yep. Crute. You got yep. Jack Della. You got Josh Coolabay. You got Jamie Malarkey. You've got J- Tyson Pedro. You've, you've got, got J- you got Duke Jake yeah. Matthews. You've got Duke. <laughs> J- they're all starting with Jays, like Jalex and Volkanovsky. It's just ridiculous how many Jays there are. What's going on? What about Jobbit? Jobbit. Jobbit Whitaker. It's just if you haven't got a J, you've got no hope. It, it seems. Oh, well, I got a J in the middle. You got Jim. Matty James. Matty Jim. I'm going to call you Jimmy. I'm going to call you Jimmy from now on. Jimmy Crooks. You'll be in the ring ASAP with that kind of name. So, look, yeah. No, great interview. Great interview, I thought. Look, it, it was. And as we say, we, we go over the top. We suck We suck blokes. We do all that. But I'll tell you this, you can tell he's, he's prior, you know, you can tell he's primed to do big things and has he's got just the physical attributes and the mental uh, fortitude to back it up. And I, I just look forward to now seeing who from the pod is on this card. And I just feel like it'll almost be a fight on every part of that card that we can really, 
sink our teeth into from an emotional point making because we're sort of we build the connections with them and i really look forward to that i think it'd be fun being there live if we ever get a ticket and just being able to really ride that emotion of knowing someone that's in there yeah mate i can't wait i uh yeah it's just very exciting i'm getting very excited still four months away but i don't give a fuck i'm up i'm up in a bear blood's flowing blood is flowing mako shark and funny you say that because my blood only flows certain parts of the week and this segment, Mako, and this segment gets the blood flowing every single time. Now, there's a friend of the pod, hasn't been on the pod because he doesn't do anything to do with uh, fighting, but a man called Samuel Allen who always states in anything to do with a famous footballer, I know him, I know Rob. Now, Mako Shark, it's got to the point for me, I'm out there, I'm out and about saying, people go, have you heard that Mako Shark segment from last week? And I go, well, I have actually because I know him. I've known him since 97, Mako. I align myself with your greatness it's at that level now. It's getting silly where I get to ride the coattails of the Mako Shark. If it not be the Weir Street shout-outs from Timmy, if it's in the city when you're helping men on trams, Mako, I am there just in the back, just in the fucking shadows, just riding. And I reckon that's what's going to happen in Perth, Mako Shark. The coattails of the Mako will get us tickets. And i tell you this, can you believe we're at a year and I've warned people every week, it takes no prisoners. We have now had, after this segment, there'll be 52 Shark tanks, Mako Shark. Now, I think it is time that you align yourself with a once famous promo from the great Hollywood Hulk Hogan, where he stood in a ring and said, as far as he is concerned, Mako Shark, all this crap in the ring represents all the fans out there. Never has a true word been more relevant and more fucking poignant to this segment, Mako Shark, because if it wasn't for all the crap, if it wasn't for all the shit people out there, this segment wouldn't exist and this segment wouldn't flourish. The point is, there's 52, Mako Shark, and there is 100,000 more, and I, for one, are bloody excited. The listeners are bloody excited. It's everyone's favourite segment. It's mine, it's yours, it's theirs, it's ours. It's Australia's segment, Mako Shark, and that segment is... The Mako Shark Tank. That's the biggest fucking intro we've had yet to this segment. Actually outrageous stuff. Been Year anniversary. The year anniversary of the Mako Shark Tank, as you've said, there's been 51 things I've potted up until this point. 51 times I've had a whinge about something, Matthew. But this week, I'm calling an audible. I'm going to blow your mind. This oh. week, Matthew, I'm going from the Mako Shark Tank. It's going to be the Mako Pump Up this week. <laughs> it's the Mako Pump Up. Oh. I've changed things up just for one week only. There's a bloke out there that needs a pump up. I've been, uh, I've been enthralled by this man. And he's getting oh. a pump up, Matthew. Have you seen the guy, right? Have you seen the young fella who's just gone and run from Perth oh, yeah. to Bondi Beach, mate? Ned Brockman, this 23-year-old. Have you seen this bloke? I've seen He him. has just set out on a run from Perth. He's gone 3,952 kilometres over a span of 47 days, Matthew, to Whoa. raise awareness for charity. He's raised a 1.5 million plus, and I can't believe what this bloke's done. 80Ks average a day for 47 days. A regular Joe, like me and you, just sets out on a run, and I've just been enthralled by what this bloke's done, Matthew. Have you seen it? I think he needs a pump up. This is this is Australia's biggest segment. Normally, I'm clipping blokes, but I reckon just for today only, I'm giving a bloke a pump up. No, and this I like bloke, it. Ned Brockman, he needs a fucking serious pump up. Mako Shark, eh, I was going to ask you what his average uh, kilometres per day was. It's a, it's an insane feat, and it's not like Perth isn't hot. It's not like we're not at a time in Australia where the weather is pretty chargy, boy. And he's done that, gotten up every day. I heard him say he, got, he had maggots in his tootsies. 
I'm That's why I that. brought it up, Matthew. I read that today and it blew my whole cock straight off my body. I thought, <laughs> wowee, you can't. It's, just, it's just one of these things, right? You, you, you hear this on the radio or the news and you read it there and you go, oh, gee. He's run three and a half, four thousand kilometers in forty-seven days. Geez, that's hard. And then you sort of move on with your day, but you actually stop for one second and think about what the fuck that means. It is unfathomable fucking commitment, mental strength, fortitude. Just uh, he he had maggots in his feet, Matthew. Can you even fucking begin to understand what that means? Uh, day twelve, I'm reading. Day twelve, he injured his ankle. He's done something. He's seriously fucked his ankle, right? And they've said to him, "Mate, this ankle's fucked." Uh, any other any other scenario, we're going to say you can't move. You're on bed rest for six weeks. Put this ankle up, rest it. He said, "I can't, mate. I can't. I've set out on a journey. I'm not pulling out after twelve days." So he said, "Nut." He said, "Jab me." He's gone cortisones. He's gone strap me up oh, from boy, day twelve onwards. Up. He's just gone strap me up, jab me up. I'm running, and he has gone on with a busted ankle and run 80, 90, 100 kilometers a day for the next 30 odd days after that to the point where his feet are so mangled, so fucked, so blistered, so pus ridden, Matthew, that he had maggots in his toe and he continued on. His second day, he ran 100, his second last day, he ran 113 kilometers. Turn it right up. What a man. Normally, well, had- I, I would say Alexander Volkanovsky, Australian of the Year, it's a fait accompli. But until now, Ned Brockman, if you're not Australian of the Year, I'm hunting down whoever fucking judges it. I'm going to bash him. I tell you what, I reckon day 12, he had Rolling Stones plugged into his earlobes with the strap me up. Strap me up because I can't stop. He needs Just a strap up, mate. I'll tell you. Mako Shark, the only time I've ever seen a feat, anything like this. Now, I've, I've talked this document. One of the first documentaries I ever watched on Netflix is called The Iron Cowboy. You aware of it? Mm, I'm, I'm aware of it. You seen it? Don't think I've seen it, but I'm aware watch of it. Watch it. If you're a big Brockman guy, go and watch this. This man, right? You, you're aware of what an Iron Man is? I am. So, you know, the, the marathon. Yes, the, the running. The 180K the ride and the yep. I think it's like a 3K swim. Yep. Do you know what he did? Oh, just a prick that did like 100 of them in a row or something. Did 50 yeah. Ironman for Iron 50 Man. consecutive days. Yeah, yeah. By up. day three, he was in full... <laughs> Like body convulsion on his little thing, and his daughter's laughing. And I'm like, "This is not. This man is cooked. He did it though. He did it oh. across every state of America. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was that his guy. gimmick, and he actually did it. Oh, he did it. Unfathomable. He's a sick fuck. These yeah. guys. We're talking about what these UFC and the boxers are made of, with the mental it's... fucking testicular and all the fortitude you want to put together. Brockman and Co. Sick are made fuck. of something so much different. Because as you said, he's had a six weeker right day twelve, a six weeker. And he's just jabbed it and ran for another how many days? 47 days, mate. And he's done it for charity, not for his own fucking benefit, not for himself to fucking clean up and make bank. No, for other people, $1.5 million plus they've raised for homelessness. There's a charity out there mobilized is what he's done it for. I tell you, this is the thing. These folks do, these sick fucks do these insane things and everyone just sort of goes, oh, yeah, that's great. But no. He needs more plaudits. He needs all the accolades. I know this is a very, very small segment in the in the grand scale, but it is the Mako Shark Tank. Oh, so I thought flipping one. it on its head in the one-year like anniversary it. and go and pump up. This is what this Do we know enough about this guy? What's his background, Mako Shark? Uh, I don't know a whole lot. Is he a fit, is he, obviously, he's, like a, he's a fitness guy. He can't just I wake he's up. he's like a, a fairly fit sort of bloke, right? He's 23. Yeah. But he's not, he's not like an Ironman or he's not a marathon okay. runner. He's not an athlete, really, that – 
you think, oh, he's just a regular sort of knockabout bloke, I think, and he's just okay. gone. He's gone fucking nuclear. Well, good so, on him and good, good on, on him for the Mako pump-up. Oh, I had something to put in the tank, but now I feel bad if I go and tank it because you've sort of done the pump up. So that's 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 slightly annoying. That's thrown my uh, plans off off kilt. I've got Maybe I'll positive. Actually, well, I'll just bring it up later in the boxing segment and just pretend that I'm talking about boxing because I, I am going to review the weekend. So and I can review I that event and the after events as part of the boxing review and not tarnish the Mako pump up, which is fucking fantastic. Um, I like it. Every now and then, break it up. Do it. Break it up, mate. You can't get too snagging. And if you're out there, Nettie Brockman, mate, jump on the pod. We'll talk to you. Look, we're a fighting pod, but I reckon no one's ever shown more fight than you. So you're on the pod, mate, if you want it. I've, uh, look, we have to reach out to him because every now and then when you, you – we, we, he's a fighter. He's a, that's a fighter mate, to me. That is, he's fighting you know, his own fucking, personal fucking demons. I just want to say to you, though, Mako Shark, there's, a, there's a, another podcast out there. We've pumped it up on here before. Have you just have you do you listen to that podcast? What? The um the Italians podcast? Do you listen the to punt it? Returners. Mm. Oh, every now and then I uh, I tune in every now and just, then. Just recently, right? There's a certain segment on there by the uh the B Ride where he, he he it's called the barbecue, right? Oh. And he you know, he, he puts things in from he puts things in from the NFL. Last two weeks. You know what he's done? He's gone and put like worldly, like topics. Very, very. They're swimming very close to very the shark close. tank. This I tell you, against gimmick infringement. The Brian's barbecue stepping on the yeah. shark tank's turf is well, what I'll I'm hearing. What, that's just I've listened the last two weeks and I've thought, okay, oh, you're starting to dance into our territory here. And I know what happens when you do that. The greatest segment in the history of entertainment. We'll tank you, and you once you're in, you're tarnished. Your show's yeah. over. So barbecues in trouble. I will. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. Last two, but if I continually hear it where they're going off topic and not barbecuing the actual stuff that they're supposed to be, and when they're starting to dance into your territory, I'll keep you uh, adverse to it, and I'll uh, I'll let you know. I'll, I'll, get me I'll posted, keep mate. You, I've got your fucking back, Mako Shark. That's your. I'll speak to it's a, your town. It's our town. I'll have our lawyers maybe contact their lawyers, and we'll put a stop to this shit. We will. Anyway, great, great work. And anyone out there that reckons that's a whole negative thing, well, you've just flipped them on the head on the, the year and Annie, haven't you? You've just said, hey, you think you got us covered? Well, you don't know anything. I could do whatever I want any time of my segment. You've just done it. Now, look, we'll put our hands up here and hand on heart. We're a fight podcast, but on the weekend, it was chock-a-block, Mako, with multiple events spanning multiple days, spanning some at the same time, Different time zones, some good, some bad. Sports, fuck, mate, it was just too hard to cover everything. We didn't get to see the UFC because we're at a boxing event that we'll get to. But looking back, reading the blogs or anything, you know, the Twitter chatter, was there anything that stood out to you or can we just put the uh, raise the bat and let that go through the keeper? Well, you know, you know those science fiction movies where they have like clones of blokes and they're like you have one clone that goes to mm-hmm. work and then you have another clone that goes to the shops and then you yourself just like root birds or something. Mm-hmm. We needed clones, mate. We needed clones on the weekend because there was too much yeah. combat sports for just two blokes to cover. So uh, Australia's hottest pod, right? We're, we're media boys these days. We're media darlings. So we were off doing work business on Sunday. It was a long day for us. So we, I did. I missed the UFC. Unfortunate. Didn't get to. I saw some highlights clearly on the Instagram. Saw a few highlights here and there. Uh, the multi didn't quite get up from last week, which is a shame. There's a few, uh, few little check marks against it there. But like, we'll have a quick run through it. Aussie 
Jacob yeah. Malcoon. I watched that on the train on the way into the boxing. Yes. Actually. I saw that on the fight pass. So that was exciting. He controlled that fight from go to woe. Yeah. Exciting against Nick Maximov. So the Aussie airman Malcoon got the job done. Unanimous yeah. decision. Controlled it. Looked good on the feet. Some good striking. And of course, he's a very, very, very good grappler. So he just controlled him on the ground there. Got the win. I was happy there was no more robberies from the judges this time. So. Yes. Had his hand raised as he should have. That was quite nice for the Australian. Love that. Love that for him. Yeah, we love that for just Australia in general. He's also flirting mm. with Perth, I think, too, on the socials. So we might have mm. to get him on at some point before Perth. Oh, we yes. like the, the, the Malcoon. So that's exciting. Um, Alonzo Menafield absolutely fucked up Misha Sirkinov. I'm not sure if you yeah. saw that on the uh, on the socials, but it's, it's probably time for Sirkinov to wrap it right up there. Menafield yeah. just absolutely spiflicated him there in the first round. Uh, Victor Henry, I don't know if I put him in the He point. needs to circumcise his career, cut it short. <laughs> snip it off, you reckon? Just snip the career snip there, circum. Yeah. Did I put Victor Henry in the multi? I can't remember sometimes. No, you did. No, oh, you did. Goat hall. He's got the long hair. He's got the locks. He's a heavy metler. I've chatted. He was going to come on this pod early days. He was one of the earliest blokes to ever reply to us, and we just sort of let him go because we thought at that point – the time difference. Remember, we were like, oh, that's a bit hard. It's but now hard we can do it. So we'll, I think we, do we wheel back round there, Victor? We'll wheel back round to him because he's a heavy metal mm. and we like that. He likes he likes good stuff. But he's got the long hair. We like, I like him a lot, but he lost. I don't know yeah. why he was a heavy favourite with the bookmakers against a Sun Sal. Yeah. I, I always Sal, thought uh, that was a little bit iffy, to be honest. Heavy, heavy yeah. favourites. I thought a Sun Sal might get the job done, even though I put our man in the multi, so it was pretty silly yeah. for me. But, yeah, Sun Sal got the job done there in the decision. Unfortunate for our Victor Henry, but he'll be back. Yeah. He'll be back, Matthew. Cub Swanson, another person I put in the multi, got head kicked. Head kicked, knockout. It was unfortunate, actually. To see Did he? That. I thought he got his legs kicked to death. Oh, it's all right. Yeah, fuck. See, I tell you, I've, I've, yeah, he got his leg Kick to death, then stop. Kick to death, not the head kick. Of course, yeah. Matthew. Well done, well done. Yeah, right. I was, uh, as you said, we're at the boxing. I was. It's a lot happening, Matthew. A lot happening. So yeah, he's got his legs absolutely taken out. Like Owen Hart at the nineteen ninety four Royal Rumble, had his mm-hmm. leg just kicked Bret Hart's leg out of its leg, out of its That's leg, which is an outrageous thing to be able to do to someone. Oh, only time it's ever happened. And then Alexa Grasso got the win in the main, which was a part of my multi. That was one leg that got up. So, you know, anyway, we push on from this event. There wasn't much to write home about apart from Malcoon. Correct, Mako. And we get into, we've been screaming for a juicy pay-per-view card for a while. And I reckon, I just have a feeling that the good old Arachne Eight-legger could be back this week. Am I right in saying that, or have I gone without? Have I gone off script and put you under the pump here? Because I'd love to hear what you think about it, and I'd love to know who you're backing. I'm under the pump for eight legs, to be honest. It's a scary, okay. scary lineup with a lot mm-hmm. of fights. I'm not 100 confident in. Well, so many... that's what makes oh. it. Give them eight tips. Let them do with that what they'll do with that. I know. Well, it's a huge event, Maddie. It's UFC 280. This mm. is one that we've all been waiting for for a long time. A long time if you're a big yes. UFC fan. This is a huge card, mate. This is a massive card. Headline with some massive shocking title time fights. it's on, Mako. And it's over in Abu Dhabi. And the time absolutely fucking cooks us here in Australia. It's not what you want. It's a 5 a.m. main card. I think it's a 1 a.m. prelim beginning, which is... If you're a young sort of whippersnapper out there doing sort of your ketamines and all this stuff, you might just be able to stay up, you know? Like blokes you might just get your way through. through. Get your way right through. Just whatever. I don't know what yeah. these young whippersnappers are doing these days. But for me, I yeah. can't be pushing through. 
I can't. No, no. It's so a bit I think of a I'm gonna... idea for that revs. Yeah, yeah revs should be putting thing. it on. People would watch you got these revs. zombies coming in, and there you go. You got it. You got the fucking sport on. Fantastic. 100%. Well, I think yeah. I'm gonna go to bed early. Get some. Get yep. some. Wake up for the main five yeah. o'clock. Yeah, oh, the, the main's too good to not be watching live, to be honest. No, well, you'll see, you'll see results. And even if you say no, I'll get up. You know, you know what? You accidentally yeah. open a chat group. You accidentally yeah. open Twitter. You accidentally open anything. Your day's over. You've ruined. And if you've paid exactly. for it, yeah, and you're going to record it, you you know, it's, you've got to watch it kidding. live. So I'm going to watch the main live. I'm going to record the prelims and that. Yeah, on the Foxtel box, and I'll watch them on a record afterwards. That's my plan. I don't know about yeah. you, but. Yeah, I'll be doing the 5 a.m. Yeah, good. So, look, we got a few. I don't know how we're going to get to this arachnid, to be honest. We're going to just throw a few in early. We've just got, throw a few. Yeah. There's so many Muhammad Moikavs and Abu Bakr Namagamedovs and Gadzi Omagadziavs and Zubaira yeah. Tukagovs. And yeah. some of these names, mate, are just unbelievable. So, just if you've got the uh, the multi app open there for I do. you, I just do. stick Muhammad Moikav in. Early doors, second Got fight him. of the night. Sticky him. him. He's going to be in. a hot, 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 hot favourite. One dollar fourteen. We like him a lot. Dollar fourteen. That's not paying a lot, but he's leg one. He's leg yep. one. Then the next one we got uh, Armin Petrosian versus AJ Dobson. Now this is a tricky one, Matthew. This is a tricky one. This is the guy that uh, he lost to Jacob Malkoon actually not long ago. Mm-hmm. Back at UFC two seven one, but I just think Petrosian is the man for me. I'm in Petrosian. Stick him in the multi. Yep, and away we go. Leg two. Then there's a bloke called Namagamedov. I'm not 100 percent sure of this one because his first name's Abu Bakar Namagamedov. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, with that name, do you lose? Do you ever lose, Matthew? If you've got that last never, name, you've I'm never not, lost. I'm not 100 percent certain that anyone's ever lost with that name. No. Nah. He's up against a bloke, though, that's called Gadzi Omega Gadziev, which also yeah, sort of screams, I win a lot of fights. He screams that he's put a lot of the winning names in one name, which oh. is trying to overpower the one name that when we win. So it's like he's got three bits of it in there uh, versus one bit. But I'm not sure if the one bit's more pure than the bits are. So you sort of, it's a bit like a, you know, you buy a dog, if it's a full breed or is, you don't know where it's come from or its lineage. So I'd probably just go with the. You know what I mean? Like you got a full golden retriever, you get papers, you know, that's a beautiful, gorgeous dog. Or you got a bloke, a carny, you go, this is a golden retriever, and you get home and it mauls your face off and you realise it's got bloody a, a Alaskan Doberman fucking Ridgeback Regeason through it or something. I don't know. Like, a fuck. I don't know where I'm going with that, but what I'm trying to say is I stick with the pure narrative every time. And the Namurga Medov is, is unbeaten and... Pure, so go with that. Apart from the fact this bloke, I think, has lost two times, I'm just checking at UFC level. <laughs> Apart from that, no yeah. one ever called the Mega Medovs ever lost. So no. stick him in for mine. He's in. Good. Then we get to Vulcan Uzdemir versus Nikita Krylov. Now, this is an interesting fight. Very interesting. On surface level, I think Uzdemir, but then I look at this, I don't know. I start thinking Krylov. I start thinking Krylov. He knocked out Gustafson not that long ago, actually. But, like, is Gustafson cooked? I think he might be. He also lost to Paul Craig. Paul mm. Craig, Matthew, your man Craig. Craig. He lost to Ankolaev. So, and then his last one before that was Johnny Walker, which was just a sort of a fait accompli if you fall. Vulcan Ozdemir so. was, was challenging for titles not so long ago. Is that right? Or have I got that completely wrong? He wasn't fighting for titles, right? But he was in the mix. He lost to Prashaka. 
He beat Rakic, he's beat Ilya Latifi, and he's beat Paul Craig. So I just think his track record, I think it's probably the way to go. So for me, in the Mako multi, Matthew, I don't know what you think, but I just think stick Volcan in for me. Volcan's in. I think it's not a bad bet. We're going to move on. This is Ozcan. Gurkan Ozcan. Yeah, we're going to try and get him on. We had Sam Greco on. The, we talked Sam Lundinese. We've got to get Gurkan Ozcan. I liked Gurkan Ozcan. I just loved him and his name. I like saying yeah. Gurkan Ozcan a lot. I, I still like it's it. I wonder what he's doing. He's got to be out there somewhere. Well, he could be. Yeah. Could still be kicking heads. Oh, we'll get him and we'll get um, Tarek Solak. Oh, Tarek Solak. I don't think Tarek Solak's alive. Oh, Jesus. I've got a feeling Solak's. I think Solak's. Brown bread. Yeah, they have a look. you just keep talking. I reckon Tarek. I reckon I read something about that the other week. Maybe I'm wrong, though. I Tarek not. Solak. The promo- he was the big promoter back in the glory day of Aussie. Yeah. Tarek Solak. Yeah, no, he's dead. He's dead. Is he? Yeah, uh, 20, 2020. I knew I, I knew the Tarek. COVID victim. Yeah. Pour one out for Tarek Solak. Jesus Christ. Sorry about that. You know, that. always, and this is going to go completely, no one's even going to know, pick up what I'm putting out there, but I always pictured our man Kobe to be Tarek Solak with the steaks. Oh, the, the old fellow that used to run the steak restaurant. <laughs> Hello, covered you, you've got your steaks. I just pictured, every time when you hear that voice, you picture Tarek Solak, but it wasn't. It was a different version. It was a B version. Yeah, of him. It was the Aldi Solak. But anyway. He definitely was not Tarek Solak. So anyway, shout out to yeah. him. God rest his soul. I wasn't aware of that. You're not getting so, him uh, on the pod, but that's, that's okay. You don't get him right all the time. We'll still get Gurkan Oscan on, no doubt. We will. This next fight, I think it's the uh, the featured prelim. This is a banger. This is a genuine banger. You got even though he's actually, I say it's a banger, but this bloke's pretty boring. Bilal Muhammad against yes. Sean Brady. This is a fucking fight. This is an undefeated man in Sean Brady, fifteen and zero, has just run rampant through everyone he's fought in the UFC so far. He's beaten Michael Chiesa, who's that's hard because he's a grapp- He's a bit of a grappling beast. Sean Brady, and he went there and out-grappled Michael Chiesa, which is not easy to do. Before no. that, he beat our man, friend of the pod, Jake Matthews, which, you know, we don't like you for doing that. That's a bit of a uh, bit of a dog act, beating Jake Matthews. But he's also beaten Christian Aguilera, Ismail Nordiev, Court McGee. He hasn't lost in the UFC at this point. I think 5-0 and in the UFC. He's 15-0 and all up, Sean Brady. But he's up against Bilal Muhammad, who, who's in some good nick. Who's quite, uh, he's quite up there in this division. When it comes to sort of title aspirations, isn't he, Matthew? He yeah. Hasn't oh, yeah. For a this long is, time. This is a big fight. Big fight for. Uh... Well, who do you think it's a bigger fight for? It's probably it's probably for both of them. But I think if Bilal loses this, he's just because he's right there. He's knocking on the door. He kind of thinks he wants to like fight for title. So if he loses this, it drops him down a bit. It's but a, it's equally a hint of value uh, with for Bilal. Hint of value. That's what I mean, isn't it? Because you think Bilal Muhammad yeah. isn't he isn't the uh, underdog all that often. Is he? He's beaten Luke recently. He's beaten Stephen, mm. Stephen Thompson. He's beaten Damian Meyer. He's beaten Diego Lima. He's beaten a lot of good blokes. But this is just Sean Brady. He's undefeated. He's got a bit of a hype around him. He's a. Uh, it's just a very hard fight to pick, Matty. What do you think? Look, I reckon uh, Bilal. I'm not a big Bilal guy. I've potted him on this pod, but I, I think he's uh, he's battle tested. He's had some big, big fights, and I. Yeah, I, I reckon he'll win. Him in? The Bilal yeah. snack pack? <laughs> Get him in. The BSP, Bilal uh, the snack BSP. pack, just for that alone. Stick him in. He's in. The BSP. He's in. BSP. All right. He's in. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Bit of value there for the BSP. So that's good. Next fight, I'm going to skip over the Charcoal Chukagan. Oh, and, she uh, cooked this last on the Chukagan. Yeah. Charcoal Chukagan, oh, I'll tell you what, yeah, mate. I, I can't keep getting sort of suck it into betting on Chukagan nah. fights. Nah, you honest, can't. I just, it's too good a card to bet on Chukagan, with all due respect. Yeah. There's other, there's other, other uh, you know, other fights that sort of warrant yeah. more interest and more but, risk. Yeah, we're going to push on. This next fight's a rip snorter at 155. This has got big, big ramifications when it comes to next sort of – well, not next title shots because there's a uh, an Australian who's got that wrapped up. But post that, Benil Dayrouche, Mateus Gamrot, the man He's who went to the doctor and got diagnosed with a severe acute case of Gamrot. <laughs> it's a big fight, Matty. It's a big fight. <laughs> You've have- – You've been you're a Gamrot guy, aren't you? Or have I just made that whole thing? I reckon I reckon you've had Gamrot in Iraqis before. I think you've spoke highly of him. You've either spoke highly of him or you've sprayed him. But Gamrot has got a run on here before. Oh, hundred percent he has. The Gamrot. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh you're a Gamrot guy? A, I'm not really a Gamrot guy. I think he's a bit of a jet, bit of a fucking bit what of a weapon. Dalrish? But his last fight against Armin Sarukian is when we talked about him. That was a hell of a hell of a fight. He got yes. the chocolates there against Suriki in a very close fight. So, uh, yeah, look, Gamrot got across the line. So this is a big one. Though. He's hot favourite. Am I right? Am I right in saying that? Gamrot's $1.50 versus a $2.72. Yeah, see, that's interesting. I think there's a lot of Gamrot hype. There's a lot of Gamrot hype on the streets. I think yeah. people are sleeping on Dayrouche. I okay. think Benil, I think Benil yep. should not be getting slept on. I think... It's going to be in. a tough one. It's a 50-55 for mine, but I think that kind of value, you're not going to get that every day for uh, Benil Dayrush. So for mine, put him in the in the multi-pleads. This is going to be a hell of a fight. This is a potential uh, fight of the night sort of stuff here. So we're at six legs and there's three fights to go. So you've you've breezed your way to an Iraq. I'm going to go, what's a nine-legger? Who has nine legs? No one. A spider that's got a bitten other spider leg in its mouth. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. We're going to push on. This multi is you're going to you're going to take the take you know you're going to take someone else's leg and cash in on it. This is That's nine right. legs with value on it too. Oh, this yeah. next fight, this is excitement. This is a fight that I still scratch my head and can't quite believe is actually happening. When this got announced, I'm pretty sure most people, including yourself, would have gone, "Holy shit, is that actually happening? Is that actually yeah. happening?" Yep. Sugar Sean versus Piotr Jan. This is big. This it's is a big yeah. fight. Yeah, it's exciting. This is a step up that I think everyone sort of potted O'Malley for the last few years almost. Like, he's just fighting cans. Oh, they're looking after O'Malley. He's fighting cans. Another can for Sean. Oh, look, he's just bashed another can. Which, you know, to a certain extent was true. But all of a sudden, he's gone from 0 to 100 pretty damn quickly here. All of a sudden, they've gone, all right, maybe he's got a new contract. Maybe he's starting to get paid the big squid. And he wrote, well, fuck it. It's worth it. Let's go. And all of a sudden, bang, he's fighting Peter Young. Got a little theory, Mako Shark, about this fight. Got a little theory, right? Love a theory. Sean O'Malley, the Sugar Show. <clears throat> I'm. Uh, I never fully got off, and I got back on. Right, so we're just. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I stayed the course. I have a theory that Dana White has just decided. This is a sink or swim moment, right? This is a moment where they find out if he's just a mid carder that has highlight reel performances every now and then. And will be an earner in his own right with his Twitch work and his tic tacking and his gaming and his weed line and his merch line and doesn't really require to be a top guy to make a living? Or is he actually made of the right stuff and can he come out and beat an absolute elite 
top-ranked guy that will actually prove that he can do what he says he can do. And if that's the case, well, we've just jumped the queue a bit and it's just going to build even more and more and more. So it's a win-win for Dana, right? Because I feel like he'll find out pretty quickly on the weekend what this guy's about. And if it's good for Dana, it's good for us. And if Sugar's a mid-card guy knocking bums out, it's still good for us. So I think it's a win-win for the fans and it's a win-win for Dana. That's my theory. Uh, Who I think will win? Look, as much as I'd like him to win, I'd be shocked. But if he lands one of those flushy boys, Mm. it could really send him – because he got dropped a little bit by uh, Al Jermaine at times. He got sort of put down. And I feel like Sugar's as clean a striker as – as anyone, when he gets his opportunity to put him on you. So, look, if he gets the ability to land a flushy boy, he's in the fight. If not, it's Pito back to his uh, best and making a statement on his own end that, um, hey, don't be disrespectful and put me against guys like this. I'm, I should, you know, I'm the fucking champ. I don't know. Yeah, well, good theory. It's exciting because he's ranked 11, Sugar mm. Sean, and uh, Piotr is the second ranked man in the division. So it's almost like both men are really taking. A bit of a risk, I guess. He doesn't have to mm. take this fight, Jan, being ranked second, fighting number 11, who's a dangerous man, as you said, Sean mm. O'Malley. We still probably don't know exactly how dangerous he is because he's got a lot of weapons. He's very, very slick. There's not much slicker than him at 135 when it comes to straight striking. So if he, as you said, he's got the length, he's got the reach on Jan. So if he does hit him with a little crispy boy, Hit him yeah. with a few leg kicks here and there, slip one just right on the chin. All of a sudden, Peter Yarn's going to be like, oh, shit, I'm in a fight yep. against the 11th ranked man that I probably didn't need to take. So it's exciting. And then you got the thing. other part of that. Then if he comes in with a sort of pressure and cardio and just dogged style that he's been known in the past to display on Sugar, he could also be like, fuck. Oh, I don't yeah, know about this because a lot of guys that he's fought in the past really have respected his ability to strike and haven't really gone too hard except for your man, um, Cheeto. Yep. Uh, I just feel if he puts the pressure back on Sean from the start, it's like, shit, uh, okay, I've, I mean, I've, you know what I mean? Like, it's a real moment there. Yeah. Who will have I mean, the I'd... plums to display first and then who's going to get shocked with the other person's ability first is the uh, is the well, real uh, point. An intriguing mm. fight because, as you said, yeah, Young could come out and just go wham. He could go wacko and he yeah. could just be like, oh, well, fuck me. He's just killed Sean's going and yeah. Sean not really up to it. Like, you just don't know. But So what do you like, think? What are they going to do for the punters here, Mako? What are you going to do for them? Well, we're talking multis. We've already got a lot of value in it. I just mm-hmm. think the head says Peter Young wins the fight, okay. to be honest. Put him in. Like, yeah. I think we're going to stick him in the multi. I think it's not un... It's not unforeseeable that O'Malley potentially. Uh, yeah, look, fuck, I don't know. I can't see. What him. do you think first? If I said to you, like, give me in three seconds, gun to the head, wins. three, two, Peter one, Young gun wins. to the head. Okay, Peter Young, and he probably wins by like a stoppage or something, like chokes yeah. him out or Doctor. something like that. Like we saw O'Malley fight Munoz, Pedro Munoz, in that last fight. It went to an eye poke, no contest, which was a bit flat. It was his first test against a big top ten sort of ranked bloke. Mm. And, like, it was a bit uneventful, wasn't it, in that first round? He, he Not a whole lot happened. No. So it's not like we saw O'Malley come out and just fuck up Munez in the first round and we were like, oh, yeah, he's ready for yarn. So we just don't know. So I think, oh, look, to be honest, I'd like O'Malley to win too. I'd like that for the business side of things. I like that for a spectacle. Yes. I like big fights. I like exciting things. If he was to beat Peter Yarn, then it's off to the races for Sugar Sean. He's going to be uh, absolutely unstoppable on the lip. So uh, yes, yeah. and let's and not. A, you you got off, but then got back on. 
That's been I got off after the Cheeto loss. Yeah, you did, but you got back of... on, though. So anyone out there, if he wins and want to hit you up on. in the DM, you, 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 because he does normally swim within your flags, this guy, over the top, off the out of the octagon, but he just got a bit cringy. He was a bit too cringy because he didn't oh. have the actual ability at the point to back it up. But you, I just want to say for the listeners out there, if he does have a big knockout win and you're on the socials, as they know, you control him. Do not, like, come at the Mako going, oh, you didn't like you, – you, we're putting it out there. He was he's, he was off, but he's back on, and that that was uh, shows a man, a true man that can uh, get back on. Because I don't really, I've I've done that once, and it was with your man McGregor. But I this got, is big uh, for you. That you uh, yes, the way he sort of uh, yes. handled that Cheeto loss. I thought, geez, he's fucking a bit cringe here. But the way he sort of just he's followed through with it. He's really stuck fat with the whole undefeated mm. thing, and it's kind yeah. of funny. Yes. Ended up being kind of humorous, and I went, all right, I see what he's doing here. He's really pushing it. It's not just him being a salty little fuckhead. It's actually just a bit of a shtick. He's running it's it good. as a gimmick, yeah. and it's actually quite – he actually got a bit humorous after all of it said and done, and, <clears throat> and and he went out there and started just bopping blokes and doing what he said he would do, and I just thought, yeah, I'm back on him a little bit here. Good by you. So, I'll tell I'll you what, though, humour can, can bring people together. Mate, humour's all it takes. Our, mate, biggest, uh, our biggest uh, fork in the road is the McGregor-Diaz, right? But since I've come around and I've the humour of McGregor has linked oh. us back together stronger than ever, and I just can't wait to cheer him, to be at a barbecue and really cheering him and getting around him, carrying the on. Humor. So it's fun. The humour can – it's not bind the mucus. Us. It's not the mucus that binds us. It's the uh-huh. humour, Mako Shark, that binds us. The mucus that binds us. It's like Paolo Costa. I'm bound by the humour. If, you, if you you're funny and you've got the humour, you've yeah. got a fan in us. Hey, well, that's it. Okay, moving on. Move on, move on. Main event. No, shit, not main event. No. Bantamweight co-main. title, co-main, Aljamain Sterling versus DJ Dillashaw. Back, I was going to say back from his EPO band, but he's also beaten uh, Sandhagen in that time and then had knee surgery. So he's back from knee surgery, title yep. fight. This is a fucking rips and order. Have you seen these two, man? Yeah. If you want to come back from uh, EPO sort of steroid ban, and you want people to think that you're, you're all good now, you're all clean, you're on the straight and narrow. Don't Maybe you just don't coffee. look like how you look like right now, TJ Dillashaw. The man is absolutely cut from granite, shredded, bulging out of his body. This is an absurd look for a man who swears he's clean. It is, Mako Shark. And it's like when you and I look in the mirror, that's what we see, that sort of granite look. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's quite good to see somebody else there in the world that has the commitment levels that we do to granite up our body. And uh, I tell you what, the, the, it was... Quite an oily, oily oh. sort of looking shot too. He had a bit Jeez. of kind of oily right up there. You know when you you and the dad do the oil up. That, that's mm-hmm. what I was sort of picturing as I saw that. I could just I could picture you both just sort of sitting on his left and right shoulder. We're going to oil you right up there, baby. Because he was oiled. <laughs> looking good for the cameras, mate. With this oil on. Oh my Jesus. god! H. Tell you what, uh, I think he. Um, I don't think he wins though. I think. Uh, Look, I just don't think he wins. I think I think the 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 Algermain probably, including me, I think we um, just the way he carried on and cried and actually cried and sort of then really embraced the title. I think that tarnished my opinion or sort of I could didn't allow me to respect the man for what he can actually do. And you saw what he can do with a, a good camp and a non cry fight. Uh, he really dominated Pitor, and uh, I reckon. Yeah, Dillashaw is a great, great competitor, great fighter, but he's probably on the the back end of that career, Mako Shark. A few things, like you said, the drug scandals and the knee injuries, and I just think, uh, uh, yeah, Sterling's a fucking bull. 
in his prime, athletic freak, um, and shown yep. lots of different attributes in his last fight, which will probably be too much, I would have thought. But, hey, who knows? But that's just what I think. What do you think? No, I agree. I think you're right. I think uh, Dillashaw on the back nine of the career, definitely. He looked very impressive against Sanhagen with a busted knee there. He still managed to get the job done. But as you said, Sterling, Aljamain's performance against Piotr Jan, I, a lot of people bagged him out. He's been the butt of many a joke for quite a, like about a year after he won the mm. title, going back through neck surgery, all that shit. But his performance against Jan, I think he had to silence a lot of critics. That was an impressive performance to take a guy like Jan and control him and win in the fashion he did. For mine, show that he really is the real deal, deserves that title. And, uh, yeah, I can see him winning this fight. I think it's going to be close. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be a fucking banger. I think Dillashaw is going to put it on him. Yeah. But if, uh, if I'm a betting man, which I am on this podcast for the multi, <laughs> I just think Aljo is going to get the job done. Well, Mako Shark, uh, he's in. And at the moment, currently on the eight legs, just currently with a, with a, with a, a Palmer bet boost, the Parmabit boost, the Brucey, the boost. We're at uh, 90 to 1. And that's without the ninth leg, which will skyrocket this. In This will become a Mako Shark Mortgage Mall. This anyway, I just thought I'd give you the update. I love giving the updates. This is big, big juice. Main event, huge fight. Charles Oliveira, Islam Makhachev for the 155 lightweight title. This is a monster fight, mate. This is an absolute monster. Not even sure which way to slice it, to be honest. They're both absolute freaks of what they do. Uh, yeah, not sure where you want to go with it. Not sure I'm going to go with it. But I just think I'm a Charles guy. I like Charles Oliveira. I just think he needs a bit more respect. I think he's got a lot of respect, but I think a lot of people are just focusing on Makachev, Makachev, Makachev at the moment. He seems to be the hot favourite just because of the wrestling, the Dagestani stuff. Look, I understand it. I understand that. But I just think Charles Oliveira, he's a bit too good to allow himself to get controlled like that. And I just can't see how Makachev takes him down and hugs him. Well, Mako Shark, uh, we're going to find out a lot about both men in this fight. It's a real find-out-about fight, which I love these fights. We uh, sort of have yeah. a couple of – yeah, I love a find-out-about fight. $2.41 for Charles screams insane va- – I think he's won 12 in a row, is he not? Yeah, yeah, yep. around about that, yep. Um, That's too much value for a bloke that is the undefeated – like, just look, he is the un- unanimous champ. Yeah, he is. correct. So Makhachev, obviously a wrestler. How does he like being punched in the face, kicked in the head? Does he? Wow. Is he, is he is, you know what I mean? Is he been in a fight on his feet long enough for us to get a good taste of how he likes that sort of medicine? Not really. <laughs> like he's he's probably better than Khabib was stand up styles, stand up wise. Okay. But I don't yeah. think he's ever been in a real slugfest, cop one on the chin, and really bite down on the bloody mouth guard type stuff. He's normally taking him down and just hugging him and squeezing him and winning. So. Yeah. Charles is bloody talented on the ground too, though, with his, all these little submission boys that he's got. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's like take him down, but you take him down, you can also – because you saw against uh, Pourier when uh, – not Pourier, sorry, uh, you, the other guy, Gaethje, the weird little eyeball man, yeah. looks yeah. like the No Fear Eyes, you know, that, that, that logo. That's, that's what it is. Nice, that's that's what his it actual – yeah, that's actually his face. Um, it's humorous. He knocked him down. And said, no, nah, mate, up you get. I'm not getting anywhere yeah, down no, there with you. And you saw when he got put on his backside how quickly, like a little spider monkey. I was at the zoo yeah. this week. Spider monkey with some of these MMA grapples is a perfect way of saying it because they generally do just like claw them and just like swing in like it's it's almost majestic how they can just – it looks so brutal but so seamless at times, Mako Shark. And that's what guys like you and I that have never done that as a sport, we just love seeing how – good these blokes can be. So 
yeah, yeah, Makachev on the ground is a danger, but I reckon Charles represents ground danger and on the feet danger. The He's one danger thing everywhere. I've said to you, though, about him, he gives people a chance to win. In every fight I've seen of him, He's been against it at some point and then comes out and shocks everyone. Now, I wonder, is he good enough to give Makhachev a chance to win and not lose at that point like the other guys? Is it, Or does he continue his give the guy a chance but come to the end and actually win the fight? That's the question for you I've got. Well, it's a good question and it remains to be seen if he can or if it even happens to start with. But... Apparently, he's had really, really shitty eyesight. Have you read about this? His eyes were cooked. He had this real fucked up vision, which wasn't helping mm-hmm. him, and that's why sometimes he just gets bopped a little bit. He's had that ah. corrected since his last okay. fight, is what I'm reading. So now he's got this 2020 Brazilian vision, <laughs> which I'm not sure if it's going to like, make a big difference or what. That but 2020 Brazilian vision is some yeah, sort of vision. That's some sort of rare vision, mate. So... That's exciting. So that's something mm. he's got on his side as well. And if you just want to look at just track records and resumes, this Makachev, he's got a lot of hype, but there's not a whole lot under the surface when you look at his little resume here. He's coming off a fight against Bobby Green, who came in as a last-minute replacement. That yep. was just – it shouldn't have even bothered to happen, that fight. It was just silly. So he's beaten a Bobby Green off, you know, a couple Shout of Shout-out to Bobby Green. We'd like him on Shout here. Out. Before yep. that, he's beaten a great man, a New Zealander, Dan Hooker, also – on late notice, you know what I mean? So these last two fights have been blokes outside the uh, whatever at that division top 10 on short notice. He's beaten Moises before that, Drew Dober before that. Where do you look at fucking Charles Oliveira's fucking track record? What his little resume is coming into this fight? It's unlike anyone in the sport, to be honest. He's just ripped through Justin Gagey, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee. It's just, mate, it's unheard of. So there's no comparison when it comes to who's beaten who. So I just think at $2.40, Charles Oliveira, too good to be true. Now, Mako Shark, I like that. And you know what? Sometimes you you bet with who you want to win, too. You want to will. I'd rather Charles wins when you get a Charles Volk yep. than a, a Makachev Volk. So, yep, 100%. $216.44 to one. That's all you need, mate. $25 is making you five, four, eleven and a cent. If you want to well, put that on at home. Nine legs. That'll get up. Shout me a beer if you win that, because that's fantastic. Don't say that there's no value ever offered on this podcast, Mako, because my call blimey there is. And uh you've just done it, right? So great rap from you. A and great day of fight. Yeah, sorry. Just yes. uh, we'll just throw it out there because he's the best. Volkanovski, the goat. He's over there right now as the backup for this main event in case anyone pulls out. So that is just phenomenal effort for the pound for pound number one in the world to be doing this, committed. So just well, been offered the fight too. He's been offered one. the fight, but he's still like, no, no, I'll go over. I don't give a fuck. I'll be there if anyone pulls out. I'm in. Bang! I want to win the belt. So. I've never wanted anyone to pull out of a title fight, but if I wake up at five in the morning and I hear that someone's fallen over and twisted their fucking scrotum <laughs> and I find out that Alex Volkanovsky's in the fight, mate, I'll get nude. Uh, and imagine either way it's a win for us. because, Well, yeah, I hope if he's in the fight he wins and then I hope yes. if he's not in the fight, well, that fight becomes the headline of the Perth card. I think it will. Charles, I don't think the turnaround, Mako, when I've been, the more I've been thinking about it, the January Brazil card, as much as it makes sense from the having, but it's fucking the end of October. So you really, you know, and then you've got Christmas and I don't know. I think, I think it's a bit short and I just think 
they've they've offered him the fight as if they're gonna as if they're not gonna have Volk on this card in Perth. It'd be the dumbest, dumbest of dumb things, wouldn't it? Yep. It would be. So I hope that is. I hope it's Volk, Champ Champ, Perth, Feb. Good. Goodbye. You and out there, listeners, as we said. When gambling, always do so responsibly. Mako Shark's giving you nine legs, but that doesn't mean put all nine on. That's just we give you the maximum. That doesn't mean that you can't put two or three that you like out of that and have a safe, smart punt on the Sunday morning and have a little win that might pay for your fucking Sunday surcharge latte, Mako, because they everywhere surging their jocks off now from a coffee shop, especially in this fucking area. I tell you, that's not what I was going to get angry about, but I get angry about it every time. 15% sometimes. I'm just like, what do I want for? Coffee's costing me six bucks. It's ridiculous. So if you ever win on the weekend, pay for it with that. Um, now, it's, we've banged on here. It's been a big bang on. That paper's gone late. We've gone long. Really, really deserved it. But look, just a quick summary of the weekend. So we had we had our man, friend of the pod, Tapiao, have oh. a great performance. On the Tapia. Wow. What a way. Smashed what a way in. to uh, back up the love shown by uh, Eddie to his arch nemesis, Ulti, to get you on the card. What a way to fucking a clinic with a man that had a very, very, very tough chin and a courageous man in that in the the Mayweathers who's a fucking string bean. Big man. Um, yeah, granite chin on him. Just would not go down. Performance of the night, I thought, outside of the main event with obviously the one punch sort of scenario, it was a, it was a, it was a boxing clinic. Um, so we had that Mako Shark. We also had uh, there was something else on the set there, or am I just getting confused? Just the matchroom card on the set. Did Liam Paro yes. knocking out Brocky Jarvis there? Big, 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 big performance. Uh, Sky mm. Nicholson got the win. That was just the Saturday card. And Moving on to the Sunday with the big Cambosis fight that me and you, as Australia's hottest pod, really, really <laughs> attended. So we we learn a thing or two about the the media pass on Sunday, Mako Shark. As the avid followers on the socials would have seen, we were as close as you could be. You could probably even got blood on us. We were that close early, and we were just cross legged, Louis Wheeler sitting like like Lair when he's eating his frozen yogurt in curb, cross legged, thinking, "What about the boys? Look at us. We're that close. We're oh baby. We're all sort of head wobbling." And then to be told by a ratty old bat. Give me a look at your passes. And then she's just said, no, that says stadium. And we're like, well, we're in a stadium. Like, we don't, it doesn't dictate like where you can go in the stadium. And she said, it's supposed to say floor. And then she put us, and I tell you what, I've never seen a bloke, the air of the Mako Shark, the wind out of his sails. I tell you what, you were that flat for the, I tried to build you up with a, with a CC and dry and a fucking chicken and chips. I was like, that's all right, Mako. We, we, we've learned. We can learn next time when we write where we want to be. We just know floor. Easy to lay up. But you, you, I just kept looking over to you and you were just shaking it. You were just flat. You were, you were like, fuck me. We've, we've, <laughs> we've gone from the fucking penthouse to the bloody, you know, in the Titanic in the movie where they're all under the water level. That's what I, yes. fe- I think it felt like that's where you thought you were, Mako. Am I correct? It did, because as you said, we, 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 we just gallivanted. We head wobbled. We sashayed our pretty little selves down to that fucking ringside area where we just thought, media, how good are we? Can't be touched. We were there, mate. We were there. We were staying out of people's way. We were in the. Well, I thought we were in the right spot, but as you said, mm. got the tap on the shoulder by the old bat. Said, uh-uh, uh-uh, <laughs> as Steve Austin would say, up you go, boys. Still, all right, has to be said, good seats. We've still got Great. very good seats for the, oh, no. the little meeting yeah, section yeah, up there. I'm Fantastic. Not complaining, but I did. I said to you, I felt a little bit like George Costanza there in Seinfeld. 
when they go to the baseball. First row behind the dugout, George Costanza up and about. Can't wait. He keeps going down, down, down the bleachers all the way. All of a sudden, bang, second row behind the dugout. How flat. How flat was George Costanza? He wanted to be first row, not second row. So that was me. That was me. I, I got... I got excited. Well, the owner of the tickets, like the guy, the great fella that organised it. And we won't sort of say his name because we don't want him to get barraged every time there's an event on. So we'll keep that to ourselves. But the man walked past us multiple times. We had fucking, we had bloody Cambosis's bloody promoter sitting next to us talking about all sorts of things that we could have heard and recorded. But that's how close we were. And that's the, the size of the personalities that were around us. And they could all see our tickets. And no one person said anything. Even the bloke... The big sort of uh, fighter security guard guy loves your T-shirt. I saw him say, great T-shirt. Yeah, we're in. I thought, we're cold. in. We're part yeah. of this. We're, we're, I mean, like you said, we didn't go and take, like, the front. We, we, we're not dickheads. We, we saw a little row of seats that no one was sitting in, and we said, well, that will just we'll sit there and mind our own business and take our content as you so rightly started to do. And then it, uh, yeah, it all went pear-shaped with that later. We won't bang on about it, but... Uh, no, we won't bang on about it. But it was a couple of fantastic event. performances by... Uh, the boys, friends the friends of the, of the pod. pod, the Maloney's. Both men now looking for world titles, Mako. Absolutely. Up and about on the day for Andrew and Jason Maloney. As always, a uh, couple of good wins. A couple of hard-fought, fucking all-the-way decision victories. A couple of tough opponents, but too good, too slick, as always. Both Maloney boys getting it done. And as you said, yeah, they'll both be fighting for world titles either before the end of the year or early next year. So that's exciting. A few more world champs to add to our stable. Zip. It was a tick, tick for the ticket and flick it going into the main, and I was excited. Um, we'll also say shout out to uh, Sugar. Oh, Sugar Neeks, probably the uh, the winner on the whole occasion. That cut, that was a gaping wound on the head there for the uh, for the Dale. That was incredible. The 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 heart that she showed to fight through that and get the win, a good solid win too. Sugar Neeks defending yes. the world title. That was an impressive performance. And, uh, sour, yeah, puss, the, sour puss type behaviour afterwards, which, again, we're not going to get into. Not our place. But we just thought, was, personally, yeah. our personal opinion was, whatever your opinion is, don't do it on that. It's a cheap shot when you're going global it wasn't with all the reporters. Point. And it's just a cheap, low blow type shot, isn't it? You could, if you've got those opinions, take it to the people that uh, are the ones that you need to speak to. And don't don't put on that world. It's a big pay-per-view, Mako, streaming around the yeah. world. It was um, you know, a little bit damning of the character. No, so we had to get into it, but I just thought that was a little bit maybe heat of the moment stuff, and you give benefit of the doubt. Um, but yeah, I, I would if I was in her camp, I'd say no. Let's just let's let's just keep it above the line going forward because we're all in it for the right thing. We're trying to build the sport, especially around women's boxing, which is on a tear at the moment. Some unbelievable things happening all around the world every weekend. So we don't want to sour it with sort of shitty promo work afterwards, Mako. And then we got into the main and the ticket and flick it for me. I just said, look. My opinion was that he, uh, he was being disrespected, Haney, by lots of people, especially the Australian media, who don't watch boxing and only see the big results and then think they watch it, as I've said to you before. He had that win against Tiafimo Lopez, but if you saw the fight in its entirety, he hung on from that point. You know, He knocked him down, and then Tiafimo worked back into knocking him down at the end, and he barely hung on to being stopped. So you look at the fight in its entirety, fantastic performance, unbelievable heart shown and got the win, did what he had to do. But then you come into a fight against a man like Haney and you know, if anyone saw the first one, you know, Blind Freddie could have told you he was a class above and Matty C told you last week that he was a class above and it was no disrespect to anyone from the Cambosis family or camp. But I just think that 
Sometimes, Mako Shark, there's levels. And uh, Haney's going to go on to be one of the all-times. Mm-hmm. Changed his complete game plan up. Jabbed his face off last time. Leading right his face off this time. Completely different. And, uh, yeah, as I told you the first time, the crowd tries to trick you, don't they, when you're there. Everyone, you thought, oh, he's got him in a bit of trouble here. And then you actually look at the fights landed and thrown. You go, ah, oh, he really hasn't there. 100%. There's no disrespect either when you say things like there's levels to this shit because Ken Bosis is on a very, very high level. He's a world-class oh, yeah. fighter, one of the greats, probably one of the best this country's ever produced. No okay. disrespect to him in the slightest, but it just has to be said that Devin Haney, just on another level. As yep. you said, he's, he's on that Mayweather school type stuff. He is he on is. another level. He's going to go down as an absolute great. He's young. He's very young still, and he's just too good. He's just too good. And, uh, yeah, George gave it everything. Nothing but good, heart, good nothing respect but fucking respect like as well. Time. Fantastic. He gave it his all. He said, I fucking tried my best, but that guy is just a special fighter, and, you know, I, couldn't, I just couldn't get the win on the day, and that's just how it is. There's no disrespect yeah. to either man. No. And that's just how it is, mate. Devin Haney's fighting podcasts, we're allowed to have an opinion, aren't we? We're not, when we have one, it's, we, just because we side with someone, it doesn't mean we don't like or discount the other person's ability, Mako. It's just more, though, that we just what we just tell you what we saw. I will say, too, we, we've talked about his courage. Like The man got hit f- with a fucking heap of flushy boys and the, the conditioning and his oh, ability to fight out it. a fight. And, you know, he's swinging for the hills at the end there. Like... Didn't leave any stone unturned, so at least he knows and his family know and everyone that is his close friends, he can look himself in the mirror and be very proud, and Australia should still be proud because we don't want to become those countries that jump off people just because they don't get the, the wins when you think it matters. He'll come back and he'll have some glorious fights and some really uh, tantalising opponents out there, as he stated. Just needs to have a rest now and get recovered. And, uh, yeah, so I, I urge anyone that's uh, jumped on during this period where you pretend to be a fan, actually... Get behind the bloke when he's got some fights that might not be at Marvel or Rod Laver and you have the ability to watch an Australian perform and on the highest level, Mako. Very true, mate. It's kind of like when you're like, you know, sometimes it's like a, a band, like a rock and roll band or a, or a musician comes out and they explode and they get signed by like Sony Records and their debut album bloody sells 12 million copies and they're fucking on top of the world. You beauty, I've sold 12 million. Thank you very much. And then their second album comes out and they only sell 4 million copies and everyone goes, oh, Jesus Christ, they're fucking shit. They've dropped right off. They're cooked. They get dropped from the record label and everyone's like, oh, boy. But you actually think about it. It's still You fucking sold 4 million copies of this album. Right. You're actually just doing way better than anyone else at this current time. So that's George Cambosis. Don't jump off a bloke because he loses no. to the fucking one of the best in the world. No. He's up and about. He's going to keep fighting. He's right up there in the thick of it. And he'll, he'll keep fighting. I was a bit worried he was going to cut it. He said that in the oh. pre-fight, and he might cut it, but he's made plenty of money, Mako Sharky. He's got uh, generational wealth out of the two fights, yep. if you know if he invests wisely. But uh, he loves the sport, and I think he's on the good side of thirty. I think he's only twenty-nine. So yeah, he is, mate. So plenty, of, plenty of juice plenty in of. the tank. So he's going to go around again. That's good for Aussie boxing, and it's good for world boxing. So yeah, no nah, shout out to both of them, mate. Good event. Good abs- fight. It's a great, and uh, and then later in the Arvo, there was a Deontay Wilder. First, Robert Hellenius. He's one of my outside rank guys. I've always enjoyed watching fight because he's a big sort of big, big fucker that sort of puts it on. But, yeah, again, anyone could have told you what this fight was going to be and what it was set up for, and it was set up for basically death. And uh, mm-hmm. we thought it may have happened at one point, Mako Shark, with, look, again, we've talked about Deontay Wilder on this podcast. 
against Tyson Fury, saying not in the same level. He's not, but he's basically above everyone else currently in the heavyweight division, based alone on his power. You just saw what it was. A, it was even if you watched the glancing blow. Correct. It was a bit sloppy, right? So, but it hits him and kills him. So yep. he's gonna anyone that he does that to outside of your gypsy freak lord, you're gonna he's gonna win. Touch of death, this bloke. He has it. <laughs> yeah. Makes no sense. Like he didn't even really punch him and just flatlined him. It's like he's got Lushy a cheat boy code. him. Yeah. Fuck me. So cheat code on. And Deontay. Yeah. I just want to see Deontay get in there with like an Anthony Joshua or someone that's just like no, high, you know high, high next. level. Ruiz or, or someone. Ruiz is the ordered fight next, okay. unless they, they always change the goalposts. And then the winner of that becomes the mandatory this mandatory shit that will then stop you. So Tyson Fury's now fighting Derek Jasura, the Battle of Britain. And then so he'll win that fight. And then the Ruiz Wilder fight happens. And then Fury has to fight the winner of that by the mandatory challenge for that WBC belt, or whatever the fuck that belt he's got is. Has to. So then you lose the Joshua fight and you lose the Usyk fight at least until you get that fight. So you could see him fight Deontay Wilder four times before you see him fight Joshua, which is just insane. Like that's where the sport still needs to lift and that's what I just hate about it is the dodging and the ducking and the diving and the fucking dodging and the ducking because they never fight when they should and at one point he's going to lose. one point one of those flushy boys is going to kill him. I will say, Mako, I was – I was furious with the uh, the post match stuff from Deontay Wilder. I don't know if you saw it. I was fu- it was I was going to tank him, but I just didn't. I-, I was furious. I was fuming. You could see steam coming off me bald bonds. I was that I was that upset with it. I did see it. I did. So he killed it. the man, right? He's killed the man, and it was set up for him to kill the man. His team knew. He knew. Everyone knew. Even the man probably was going to get killed. Probably knew that was going to happen. Probably got a good paycheck. It-, it catapults him onto the back end. Everyone's you know all these. Would be fans that just love a 10 second highlight reel. Oh, Deontay Wilde is the best. That, so it's all set up for that. So he gets back in the, the Twitters and the that world, right? He's streaming, he's popping his balls off everywhere. But I will say something really annoyed me is when he made the whole thing about that man being nearly murdered about him. He acted as if it just shattered his whole life. Where Maker, only two fights or one fight ago before that fight, he said multiple times, on multiple uh, media outlets, before he retires, he wants a body. He wants to kill a man, and he wants to kill Tyson Fury, was the one he wanted to kill. He wants to kill him, right? So then when he gets on there and starts preaching about no one knows how hard it is to get in here, we put our lives into it, he's got a daughter, he's got a family, I hope he's okay, and then goes into his room the next day, which I always think is a little bit embarrassing for the guy that got knocked out, and then embraces him, Mako Shark. I only have seen the footage. It's a good two and a half minute it's a, it's a genuine embrace, crying, again, making everything about him, making sure he's validated and it's all right, you're okay, I still like you, mate. It's all right, I'm not upset with you. i tell you what, enough of the bullshit. You set that man up to be knocked out. You've said previously you want to kill someone in the ring. Don't just try and repackage yourself as this preachy, carey, we have to do this thing to put food on the table. You've got gazillions of dollars. You don't have to be fighting men outside the top 15 in the heavyweight division when you've iced blokes inside the top five for one. So do not preach anymore to me. Don't preach anymore to Mako Shark. Don't make mugs of the fans. You want to fucking murder people in the ring. You've said it. Own it and move on, Mako, is what I'll say. There you go. Mic drop. Mic drop from you. Look, I don't disagree at all. It was a bit much. Yeah. 
It was an interesting sort of stuff. Yeah, it's about all that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm actually with you, Deontay. So that's what it is. That's what it is, mate. I'll tell you what. Sorry, I went a bit, I went a bit hard there, but I just, it just annoyed me because I'm like, mate, you just, you just said you want to kill a man and now you're crying because you knocked a man out that you set up to be knocked out. Anyway, coming up this weekend, mate, go shark from a boxing standpoint, do we have anything or do we get a breather? Do we get a breather this week? Because I tell Every you, every time had... I say we've got a breather, there's always just some massive fight I've forgotten about. So I'm not going to say either or, to be honest. I haven't actually looked. Okay, I'll just have a quick look just so we don't get the, the, the clinic seas of the world coming in. No, we don't. No, we do. No, we don't. Uh, oh, we got a Katie Taylor. There's a oh, yes. Female. Yes, yes. And there's actually, I think, Mako Shark, we haven't covered this. I think there's a Le'Veon Bell Uriah Hall fight. I do, oh, fuck. I haven't got time to talk about that right now. <laughs> We've gone real long, but Le'Veon Bell Uriah Hall's outrageous. Yes. I don't actually understand how it's happening, but I'm interested <laughs> to see it, and we'll talk about it next week. We will. We'll go in depth to a great Pittsburgh running back that lost his way a little bit and ended up at another club and went no good. But anyway, um, apart from that, Mago Shark, I reckon we've uh, we've absolutely jam packed in a fucking year's worth in a one episode. There, fantastic in the most in depth UFC pay per view preview from yourself, and you won't get better content than that anywhere else. So anyone out here that's listening, tell your friends. The UFC, the, especially the pay-per-view previews by the Mako Shark, are as top-notch as they get. A great tank, a great year. Looking forward to many more, Mako, and I'll let you take us out. Fantastic, mate. 52 of the best. Jack Jenkins, thank you for being on the pod. I'm excited. UFC is excited to have you. First fight in Perth. Just get your tickets, everyone. Get your fucking flights. Get your hotels booked. We're all going to be there. We're going to just drink some piss, buy, them, buy some beers for your, your favourite podcast host if you see us. Matthew, thank you to Palmerbet as always, Australia's greatest gambling agency. Gamble responsibly. And everybody out there, please, bloody rooting. Who the fuck is that guy?